And good morning, everybody. It is the 1st of January 2020. Let me be among the first to welcome you to the new decade. If you're listening in Denver or in the mountain time zone, it is 12.05 a.m. there. So happy new year, especially to you guys and your celebrations. Uh, I'm Daniel McCartan. McCartan After Midnight, everybody. We'll be talking all things New York sports until 6 a.m. on this first full shift at WFAN on this New Year's Day, or the night going into New Year's Day. <laughs> I hope you guys watched the ball fall in Times Square, just a little bit north of here. And hopefully you're out and about in the city never sleeps. Thanks for tuning in on this very special night. I hope you're not stuck in traffic, but if you are, I hope I make it a little bit better for you. Actually, um, on the way in, I, I was very early tonight, and I tried make an old detour through Times Square, and I got kind of far. I got maybe to, like, what was it, Ninth Avenue, and then I had to make a right down Ninth. But, you know, I did see a lot of action going on. Yeah, this, this this city is bustling tonight. Uh, I just want to give you a little shout-out to, I saw lots of police activity, so uh, to the NYPD keeping us safe tonight, of course. Um, and then, I don't know, that the Empire State Building is even festive. It's like twinkling in all different colors. This is very special tonight. Coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio here. We'll be here till 6 a.m. Um, I got a very special guest for you guys tonight. And then this person, I'm not going to give, this person is an icon in New York sports radio. And I put some clues on my Twitter feed at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N and on my Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan page for you to kind of figure out who it was, as I do all the time. Many of you guys did guess it correctly. I will have the honor tonight of having the first voice of WFAN's radio airwaves and one of the dynamic duo of the long-tenured radio voices of our, of our New York Yankees with us tonight. Susan Waldman is going to discuss her experiences with Don Imus in the early days of, his, uh, of this station, Imus's legacy, and, of course, the Yankees, Garrett Cole's ability to handle New York. They've got an inside perspective there. Didi Gregorius's departure. And the, she will answer the question I did pose here last week. Is Gio Urshela the real deal at third base for the New York Yankees? I've got Nick behind the glass tonight. He's ready, willing, able to take your phone call. So you guys know the number, 877-337-6666. And let's load him up because the hottest story in New York, and, and maybe even in the NFL right now, is the Giants' vacancy at the head coach position. And I've got New Year's resolutions for your Jets, Giants, Yankees, and Mets. So we'll start with the New York Giants. And of course, that's Florida Georgia line. BB Rexa, if it's meant to be. So here we are. On January 1st, 2020, happy and healthy new year to everybody, by the way. And this is the first day of the new decade. And the New York Giants, a flagship franchise in the National Football League, is set to enter it with yet another casting call for the head coach's position. The position was occupied by, by Tom Coughlin at the beginning of the decade. And upon his departure, it was then occupied by the likes of Ben McAdoo, Interim Steve Spagnolo, an Italian, and most recently, as you know, Pat Shermer. And as you also know, Pat Shermer was relieved of his duties on what the NFL calls Black Monday. 
where everybody's handed pink slips, things like that. Um, well, I, I'll tell you, I felt he should have been given one more year for these main reasons. There's three. One, Pat Shermer did not lose the New York Giants locker room. You had heard guys like Golden Tate and Saquon Barkley, among others, speaking very highly of him. Both Tate was after the game on Sunday. Barkley was on, of course, Black Monday. The second reason I think Pat Shermer should have gotten one more year is because the Giants have one of the most inexperienced, youngest rosters in the entire league. They have an average age of 25.5 years, which includes Zach Diossi, who's 35, and Eli Manning, who turns 39 Friday. So happy birthday, Eli Manning, in advance. Um, so factor those guys out, and then how, how does it drop the age? You know what I'm saying? And number three, the reason why I think Daniel Jones, I mean, uh, uh, Pat Shermer should have kept his job is the development of Daniel Jones. With just 13 games under his belt, Daniel Jones led all rookie quarterbacks in touchdowns. All while absolutely under siege from the blitzing defenses. Again, in only 13 games, Daniel Jones was sacked an astounding 38 times. Imagine what he could do with a little bit of protection. And by the way, Daniel Jones is tied with Josh Allen for the ninth most sacks in the NFL this entire season, in the whole league. I mean, Jones, despite all that, almost broke Baker Mayfield's rookie touchdown record in playing one less game than Baker Mayfield. He is the franchise quarterback moving forward. And perhaps the biggest overlooked factor that's something that it can't go unaccounted for. The Giants' defensive rankings were abysmal. Points given up per game, 29th in the league. Yards given up per game, 24th in the league. Pass yards given up per game, 26th in the league. Rush yards given up per game, 19th in the league. So they were never a top-flight defense. And I've said it before. You cannot score 100 points and win the game if the opponent scores 101. So I think that might have been nice guy Pat Shermer's fatal flaw, not parting ways with his defensive coordinator, James Betcher. Some may say that Pat Shermer was, in fact, doomed from the beginning. With Eli Manning on the decline, with a rookie quarterback who succeeded him in getting significant time this season, we just talked about it, 13 games, a train wreck of an offensive line and a non-existent defense, to name a few. But the bottom line is, this is a winning business and a winning corporation. A 9-23 record over two seasons just does not cut it in a New York minute. So now, it is time for Giants Nation to focus on finding its right guy for hopefully the next decade and beyond. So my New Year's resolution for the New York Giants is to find some stability in what has been one of the most tumultuous decades in all of its storied history. I'm sure we're going to talk tonight about your thoughts on the potential candidates. This is all such a fluid situation. More names are being added to the list probably as we speak. Giants co-owner and president John Maris said, I'm looking for leadership, someone who could take control of this roster and build a culture that will lead to winning. End quote. There are some known candidates for the opening. Mike McCarthy, 
Then you have Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, Cowboys defensive pass game coordinator Chris Richard, Ravens defensive coordinator Don Wink Martindale, and New England special teams coordinator Joe Judge. But the front runner, though, is believed to be Baylor coach Matt Rule, who, if you remember correctly, turned down the Jets job last year. Rule said he's looking for a situation that is, quote, next to perfect. It would have to be one of those idyllic situations where you feel like, hey, I cannot just go here and win. I can win at a high level for a sustained amount of time. And we'll talk a little bit later that the Giants may have gotten a little bit bad news in regards to Matt Rule and what he has said subsequently. So the question is, I'm going to post to you, do the Giants have that? Do they have a program where they can win at a high level for a sustained amount of time? That is the question. And for the New York Jets. I know you got mountains to climb, but always stay humble and kind. So this is Tim McGraw's Humble and Kind. The Jets have mountains to climb to get back to the playoffs because it's been a while. And the Giants as well. But let me tell you something. Carson Wentz is the first quarterback to throw for for 4,000 yards without a single wide receiver hitting 500 yards. Along the way this season, it's incredible. Wentz lost his wide receiver 1, 2, and 3. His tight end 1, Zach Ertz. And his running back 1 and running back 2. Yet, his Eagles are playing on Wild Card Weekend, and the Jets head coach that has cited injuries all season long is not. Like Greg Williams' unit, the Eagles have not been using injuries as an excuse. Greg Williams hasn't either. Only the head coach of the Jets has, and subsequently his players. And that's a bad look. So for the Jets and their 2020 New Year's resolution, I suggest three things. Wisdom, direction, and humility. Wisdom for the Johnsons to certainly see the truth regarding the decisions that they've made in terms of personnel, both on the coaching staff and on the roster. And for the coaching staff, they need to retain Greg Williams at all costs. The Defensive Coordinator of the Year Award has only existed since 2014. But let me tell you something, four out of the five winners went on to get head coach jobs in the very next season. I think Greg Williams is a candidate for that. And with his top-ranked defense, he is the only saving grace for this coaching staff. Greg Williams was asked if he wants to be a head coach. He responded, I love it here. Second, direction. I hope for direction for these New York Jets because the worst possible thing would be to have another season in which they're going to miss the playoffs. For example, players like Jamal Adams, the only player, by the way, voted to the Pro Bowl in our entire city, gave the Jets direction. You cannot give up on players like that and ship them elsewhere. Lock them up long-term for years to come. This reminds me of the Demario Davis deal, where he is now absolutely flourishing in New Orleans and also playing in the third-seeded team in the NFC in this season's playoffs. And three, humility for the head coach to realize the talent on his roster and to not push his own agenda for the sake of pushing it. Le'Veon Bell, when used correctly, still has game-changing potential. 
why can't the head coach, the offensive guru, see that? His response when asked about Bell was absolutely unacceptable the other day. He's under contract for three more years. So you can ask GM Joe Douglas tomorrow. Uh, I'm not in charge of personnel. Just because your M.O. is to pass the ball 75% of the time, why can't you adapt to fit your personnel? To incorporate them into your game plan? Because you didn't want Le'Veon Bell to begin with? That is no way to run a team. So for you, Adam Gase, my New Year's resolution is that you find some humility somewhere because the act is getting old. And for the New York Mets. I get knocked down, but I get up again. So this is an older song, Chumbawamba, Tub Thumping. You might remember it. The Mets, what, are, they're going to have an uphill battle in the NL East, which I think is going to be the toughest, most competitive division in all of baseball. You've had free agent signings and re-signings. And, by the way, the defending champion Washington Nationals, who came pretty much seemingly out of nowhere. But for the Mets, my New Year's resolution is one of resilience and resurgence. The number one reason why the Mets did not make the postseason last season was because of their bullpen, particularly Edwin Diaz, was a dumpster fire, to put it it nicely. Operating under the budget constraints that I don't even think we know the full extent of, Brody Van Wagenen brought in Della Batances, who missed pretty much all of the 2019 season due to a shoulder injury and then an Achilles injury. So my wish for them is that the Mets, particularly their bullpen, are resilient and as a result, experience a resurgence because as we all know it's way more fun around here when both the new york teams are performing well you probably think that you are better now better now you only say that because i'm not around not around you know i never meant to let so you the yankees down. are better now post malone performed tonight in times square certainly with the acquisition of the best pitcher in the free agent market and quite possibly the entire game of baseball but they need not to be careful and not let themselves and others down this season They are odds-on favorites to win the 2020 World Series, and they are poised to embark on what could possibly be a brand-new dynasty this decade. They certainly have the young talent to do it. So my New Year's resolution for the New York Yankees is for them to exert dominance, not cave to expectations, and to play to within themselves. Good things happen when you stay true to your identity as a team and also in life. I've preached that to every player that I've ever coached. Play to your strengths, and good things will happen. And for this Yankees team, for their starting pitching for the first time in a long time, will be their strength. There are 41 days till pitchers and catchers. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan after midnight, and he is Marco Belletti on the update. And welcome back to McCartan After Midnight here on January 1st, 2020. We have entered the next decade, everybody. We have entered the next decade. And, and you know what? I just wanted to give a quick shout-out. I ran out of time in, in the intro really quickly, but just want to, again, give a quick shout-out to all of the first responders that keep literally the millions of people safe in Times Square tonight and all over the city tonight. They were flying by. I have saw police lights on cars that uh, – minivans. I mean, who knew? Who knew? I mean, Honda minivans have police lights on them. So you're always being watched in the city, and I appreciate that. And also, I also have to give a shout out to, they always get forgotten, the Department of Sanitation Workers who are right now working round the clock to make sure every single piece of confetti is picked up from the ground in Times Square. So hope you guys are tuned in, actually, and I would love to hear from you. You guys can call up 877-337-6666. 
again, there are 41 days till pitchers and catchers. So, um, you know, maybe tonight too, I can get your, what's your radio, radio appropriate, obviously, New Year's resolution. I can give you mine uh, right after that. But we got some calls. Let's go 877-337-6666. And first, we will head out to always the first caller, CJ in Mount Holland. CJ, you didn't call last week. I got a little nervous. You know what, though? There's always today. I don't know what happened. I must have been distracted with something else. But let's talk a little football with you. Let's go. All right. With the Giants and gang rule, what's your opinion? Do you really think he's a slam-dunk coach? No. Uh, do you like what he did at Baylor? You know what? Do you think he's far above the best candidate? What's your opinion on that? So Matt Rule is, um, for everybody listening, is is basically anointed as the number one candidate for the Giants moving forward so far. Do you agree with that? I disagree with that. I think I, I, I'm not – I cannot get behind. I, the Giants don't need another experiment. And I think that the Giants need to find a tried-and-true sort of guy. And, you know, if Matt Rule doesn't work – that's going to be like how many head coaches? Five head coaches in in eleven years, whatever it is. I I can't, I can't get behind it. I can't. And I think it's very important also to get an offensive minded head coach. Right. You got you got a young quarterback that you really have to develop. Right. You know, like you don't want to be switching coordinators next year. You know, let's say he has a good year and he, you know the the, court, the coordinator jumps ship. You want continuity right. over there. Right. And it's, I mean, I, I appreciate what Matt Rule did, of course, and, and I've done it too. When you take a, the, the program from the brink of extinction and bring it back into prominence, I've done that. It takes a lot of work, a lot of heart, you know, a lot of labor. I appreciate that. But for the Giants and what they need, in my opinion, I, I don't think it's him. No, I like to the draft. I'm with the Giants and the Jets. I want to give you my selection. Yeah. I think with the Giants, Picking number four, I go with the sped tackle, Andrew Thomas. You know, assuming he's still on the board. That's the kind of foundation piece you need on your line that could be there 10 to 12 years. Yep. That will make life a lot easier for Jones. Yep. I, I, and, and before we even get to there, I, I mean, number one for me would be Chase Young, but but he's not going to be there for the Giants. No. Nope. So, yes, no. then, you, then you go offensive tackle, yes. All right, I'm getting to the Jets. Mm-hmm. The one thing I want them to get more than anything, you know, picking out 11, they're probably going to be, you know, have a choice of maybe the third or fourth offensive tackles in the draft. Right. I'm not sure if I would want that. One position that sometimes slips that might be more attainable than people think is Jerry Judy's on the board at number 11 when he picked. You just turn that card and don't look back. Uh, yeah, I think that the Jets obviously need, uh, I've said it, I've said it. First of all, we got to talk about Robbie Anderson and we can get into that too, everybody. If you want to talk about if Robbie Anderson should be wearing green next year, but no, Judy, no, 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 we're not over No, it. me neither. Not at, all. not at all. But Jerry Judy is, is interesting because he's a physical kind of guy. I, I like him as well. And I was hoping you were going to say wide receiver there, actually. No, that, no, yeah. that would definitely you know, be the pick. Yep. Now, getting it to Gase next year. Now, you mentioned a scenario like Williams is probably still going to be in that staff. What happens if they start the year poor offensively first, first four or five games? If you see Donald not progressing, do you make a change and hire internally Greg Williams? You know why that's probably why he's there and why he's getting good money from being a coordinator. Yeah. He's always a backup head coach. Yep. Well, I just wish the Jets would have seen it sooner because, CJ, I know you listen every week when we compared, what was it, last last time? 
we compared Todd Bowles' Sam Darnold stats to your one of Adam Gase' Sam Darnold stats, and they are identical. And I wish the Jets would have seen it sooner rather than wait until next year to make a change midway through the season. And, and here we go again. I'm getting to Le'Veon Bell. You know what? It's obviously not worth what Gase. He probably thinks he's being overpaid, and that's maybe why he's upset with Le'Veon Bell. But you have to be professional yeah, about it. So. You know what? you got to at least, at least showcase him so he's more tradable next year. Exactly. I'm not even sure, I'm not sure what you can get from these days. Exactly, because no one knows what he could do, even still after an entire season. He didn't even break 1,000 yards. Come on. No, I mean, it was ridiculous. Did he have a 100-yard game? I don't think he did. I don't even know. Probably, I, you know what? I don't know because, you know what? He's on my fantasy team, and I don't ever recall that. <laughs> um, I can look it up real quick and let you know, but I, I, I don't think so. Off the top of my head, no. No, I don't think he did also. Now, one quarterback that's really intriguing, I don't know what's going to happen. What is it about the Jameis Winston situation in Tampa? I know. I mean, think they, I, this could go either way. I know. Um, see, that's the thing. My my cousin is a big Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers fan, and he loves him. I think he's really something's just always missing. Though I like the aggressiveness of the gunslinger as attitude. You know what? I was a big fan of his going into the draft. I thought he was that good. I still believe in him, so I think Tampa will stay with them. It's going to be a close call, but I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, they're picking. Where are they? The Buccaneers. Bucks get 14th pick. I mean, they're not taking a quarterback there, so you'd have to think that he's going to have to stay. You know, speaking about quarterbacks, the one team that could really determine where the draft's going to go, they're going to have a pick. I don't know what they're going to be doing. What do you think about Detroit at three? If Stafford is not going to be helping going forward, if they have doubts, all of a sudden a quarterback couldn't be played at that pick. And you know what? If they're smart, they'll at least bring quarterbacks into there. To, you know, to increase the draft, no, increase the draft value yeah. of that third pick. That's what I would do. Yeah, I mean, it's all continued upon, upon Stafford, I guess. I mean, I, I mean, that's the best I could say. I mean, they have to talk with him and have a nice conversation with him, and then and, and see where they can go from there. But at three, they are poised to take a quarterback if they want one for sure. Yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what goes on with that pick. There were a couple of other quarterback situations. Now, I don't think they're as solid as people think. Now, look at Atlanta with Matt Ryan. He's regressed the last couple of years. All of a sudden, he can't be penciled in as a, you know, a short fire pick. And I think over there, that's another potential pivot spot where they could go quarterback maybe a year or two earlier than you would think. Yeah, and then and CJ, thanks for the call, too. I appreciate it always. Um, and there's another one that I'm going to add to that, the Oakland Raiders. I mean, is Derek Carr the dude over there? And they move to Las Vegas? Um, I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of people that are not convinced that Derek Carr is the dude for the Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders. Hey, it's the first time I'm saying that. 2020. Kevin and Camden, you're on the fan. How you doing, Danielle? I'm good. How are you, Kevin? It's good. Um, I want to talk about the Giants, but um, I want to say first, uh, CJ is always leading off. And I, I like that because it's like... DJ's first, and I'm following. It's like the um, Manchester and Maris duel of WFAN. There so, you go. It's a bad order. I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, anyway, back it. to the Giants. Yeah. I want to talk about um, Gettleman's press conference. Yeah. Uh, he said a lot of things that I was, was just, you know. I mean, I loved how he tried to justify the Leonard Williams trade because I was like, there's no way you could justify that. The juice is worth the squeeze. I 
was just like, really? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, Leonard Williams is good, but I don't think he's not worth what the Giants keep up. I mean, yeah. it was, I was like, okay. And then he said that he was on notice. I'm like, you, are you on notice? Because <laughs> you, you talk, you like, you were like, you sounded so assured yourself. And I was, I was like, okay. Yeah. I, I, I didn't I believe, I, I didn't believe most of what he said. I was like, okay. I, I don't trust him, but yeah. they're sticking with it. So that's how I felt. But, uh, Going back to the uh, head coaching thing, um, McCarthy, I think, should be the coach. I, I agree. Not Matt Rule. Yep, I agree with you. I think McCarthy should have been with the Jets. Yep. But, you know, hey, the Giants, he's, they're interviewing him. They better not let him walk because it'll be a mistake if they do. I'm uh, just saying that. I totally agree with you. And, and, we and anyway, it. I want to thank you. And it's always a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Kevin, always thank you. Um, and just, by the way, getting back to the Le'Veon Bell thing, he did not have in this season – a hundred yard game. He was up uh, 87, 87 yards at the Ravens was his best game. I guess that's total yards too. Cause it was, uh, it says receptions too. So 87 yards was it. Le'Veon Bell's best game. That's maddening because as CJ said, and I've said it here too, Le'Veon Bell, if you're going to trade him, you hate him that much, Adam Gase, that you want to trade Le'Veon Bell. Well, the people don't even know what he could be worth because they, they haven't maximized his potential. And doesn't that make your GM look really bad? They came in together, Gase and him. But, I mean, doesn't that make you look really bad if if you just gave this guy pretty much a gigantic, huge, multi-million dollar contract and then Adam Gase refuses to use him? I mean, that's got to be a little bit embarrassing on the organization, don't you think? You would think? And I got a tweet from, let me see, from... Uh, there's no name in here, but XX rise above. And he said the jets have to lock up Adams and work on getting the most out of Le'Veon. What's the point of trading him to go into the draft and pray you'll find the same talent you already had. Note Gase can have that snarky a- attitude after he accomplishes something. Not now. Totally agree. I'm going to hit like on that. That's at coach M C C A R T A N. And we have a lot to unpack tonight. We can do giants draft. We can do what about Jason Garrett even? Is it, are they even going to fire him? At this point, I don't think the Cowboys are, are, are getting rid of him. I mean, this is like the, the, the three-day breakup. Two meetings and all that. And, and we can get into that. And then potential candidates. I got the top three. I'm going Mike McCarthy, Matt Rule, and intriguing. I mean, those are the top two, but intriguing to me is Don Martindale, 56 years old. From the Ravens, he is uh, he's my third choice on the fringe. Um, and then also too, there's one team in this playoffs in this wild card round that I would not want to play. I'll tell you who that's going to be after the break, and then we could also talk about will Evan Ingram be wearing blue for the Giants next season? Did Gettleman deserve to go to? What about for the Jets? What about their draft order? How did they almost lose to the JV Bills? Someone posed this question to me or said the statement that the Jets could have been a playoff team this year, all things considered. I'm going to go with no on that one. Then you got uh, what to do with Robbie Anderson and, of course, the wonderfully eloquent Adam Gase as well. (laughs) And, of course, if you want to do some Yankees and Mets, 
and we have still some talk. Uh, who's <clears throat> my, Matthew on uh, Twitter sends me this this video of Matt Rule, why toughness in sports matters. And I agree with all of it. And he said this needs to be the next football head coach of the New York Giants. This is Matt Rule. He's giving a speech. There's like a, what, two-minute, 19-second clip. Actually, I'm going to hit retweet so you guys can find it on my Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. And why toughness in sports matters. He's giving a speech. It seems like the audience is his players and the parents of his players is what it seems to me. Um, and he's talking about toughness. And if you know nobody's going to teach him toughness, then, then he's going to and the parents have to. But you know, I'm not convinced that that's going to go over so well in a locker room full of multi-million-dollar professional athletes. Maybe a bunch of college kids, sure. And their parents, sure. I mean, he's getting them to buy in, which which I appreciate that. He's very animated in this. Eye contact. You know, he, he's, he's commanding the room for sure. Using his hands when he talks. I mean, he's from here, isn't he? He's got to be part Italian, this guy. And I'm watching. The guy's hands are going over his head. What I'm saying is that this why toughness in sports matters thing and, and the speeches that he gives on, on his soapbox – and while it, it might work for, you know, collegiate athletes, I'm not sure it's going to work for professional athletes. But then again, like I was just saying in the open, the Giants have one of the youngest rosters in all of football. And maybe he can connect with that, that demographic, that age level. I don't know. But they have said that they are looking for someone to relate to those kind of guys. And, I mean, Mike McCarthy has been reinventing himself. We'll talk about that after the break. But Matt Rule seems to be the hot name. And the fact that he turned the Jets down, that's another thing. Because he wanted, uh, he didn't want to inherit their ideals of, of coaching staff and everything like that. And my next question to you guys is, will mercurial wide receiver Antonio Brown fit with any of our New York teams, the Jets or the Giants? I'd love to hear your opinions on that. 877-337-6666. Hang there on hold. I will get right back to you after the break. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Hey, Nets fans, our first box office blitz of 2020 is tomorrow with hourly giveaways from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. to see the Nets in Oklahoma City on Tuesday, January 7th at the Barclays Center. So keep your radio locked in to win exclusively on your flagship station for Brooklyn Nets basketball. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. And good morning again, everybody, on the first day of 2020, the first day of a new decade. I'm curious to see what your uh, New Year's resolutions are. And as I was sitting in here uh, getting ready for the show. You know, I'm just cruising Twitter, and I came across something from the Fox broadcast tonight. You may have caught it live. I definitely did not. And it's relevant because it's involving Rob Gronkowski, and, and he's a sports player. He's a, he's an athlete, or former athlete at least, and it's him and, and Steve Harvey on the stage. I don't know what time uh, what time that was from, but it's the Fox broadcast, and there's uh, – let me set the scene. It's Rob Gronkowski wearing an old-school sports uniform with an 87 and Steve Harvey wearing, you know, a nice peacoat, and there's a, a Lego uh, resemblance of Steve Harvey on the podium – 
between the two of them. And I'm talking, it's like huge. It looks like two feet by two feet at least. Made out of little baby Legos. And, uh, and Nick, you can hit it. It's like the same feeling as scoring a touchdown. Rob. Some Gronkowski picks it up and smashes it to pieces. I don't want to work with him no more. Why, why is he here? Why are you here? What is wrong with you? <laughs> You're mentally embarrassed. This nut right here that broke him. Steve you Harvey. Know, you know how hard it is to get them brown Legos? Just stupid. After the break. Oh, my God. That hilarious. If you have a chance to watch it, it's even funnier when you watch it. I know on the radio it doesn't play so well, but hilarious. Just Google Rob Gronkowski and Steve Harvey. And Steve Harvey was absolutely, absolutely annoyed. Let's go back to the calls. 877-337-6666. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Dominic, New Milford, New Jersey. You're on the fan. Dominic. Dominic, are you there? Hold on, hold on. Oh, okay, good. You're here. Okay, good. Did he just say hold on? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I don't know what he's doing, but uh, I guess it must be important. It must be really important. Maybe he's working. Do I just let him stay on until he... Oh, oh, Damn. Dominic. Damn. Yes. Damn. What are we doing with the Giants GM? Come on. You think he should be going? Are you kidding me? I'm just trying to play devil's advocate with you. I mean, I mean, I mean, did you hear what happened today? Yes. Reiterate it for all, all the fans listening. What are we doing? I mean, are we, are we, we're just going to, we're going to keep doing this, this, we're going to keep this incompetence going. Come on. Enough this already. Enough. Dominic, thanks for that very insightful phone call. Extremely insightful. I think what you're getting at is the fact that Dave Gettleman should have gone with Pat Shermer as well. They both should have been a little package deal. Why on earth should you keep the GM, force it, you know, let him, let him, I'm sorry, let him pick a new head coach. And then what if it just doesn't work out? Then you're forced to pick a new GM that's going to inherit the coach that the old one picked. I get it. I understand. I mean, there are some things with, with Dave Gettleman and John Maris said he, he put him on watch today. And yes, there's the quote about him talking about computer guys. Um, but you have to think, you know, Pat Shermer was mocked in, in the press, in the media, for telling people that there are um, things going on behind the scenes that, that people don't know about. And Mara mentioned it today or yesterday. And so did Gettleman in the scouting department and the analytics and the computer guys, and, and the computer guys, and, and software. That's what Dave Gettleman sounds like. I think I'm pretty good at impressions, if, if I do say so myself. But the point of the matter is that people think that Dave Gettleman should have gone to. I, I don't like some of the, the spending that he's done. I don't like some of the trades that he's done. But I think you give him one more draft, because that absolutely is his strength. I mean, we're talking Daniel Jones. You're talking Saquon Barkley. You're talking uh, Darius Slayton in what the what was it the sixth round? 
171 overall, I think it was. I mean, that, Darius Slayton is one of the most productive wide receivers on, on the New York Giants. Uh, I mean, you got Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate, and, and Slayton is kind of, I don't know, right in there with him as a rookie. And then you got the, the, the young defense in Ballantyne. I think that guy's going to be good. DeAndre Baker, he's been very inconsistent, but that's expected from a rookie. So we'll go back to the calls. 877-337-6666. Mark in Newark, New Jersey. You are on the fan. Happy New Year, Danielle. You too, Mark. Um, nice talking to you again. I, I like talking to you. Uh, I like anyway. talking to you too. <laughs> um, you know, my back just been itching all day. I've been hearing so much about Adam Gaze this and Adam Gaze that. Yeah. Um, I tried to give the guy a chance, and, and, I, and I love the Jets, so I really don't have a choice in the matter. Right. But, but where I stand is, is real simple. You know, football is not just pass, 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 pass. I don't care how many experts and talking heads say that it's a passing league, it's a quarterback-driven league, blah, blah, blah. The bottom line is you got to have a balance to be good. Correct. Period. And this guy, it, it, I wish I had a dollar for every time he called a, a pass play on third and one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I gotta see. I gotta see more. Uh, I, I told uh, Larry Hardesty one time I was talking with him that uh, I want to see this guy put into work. So he started to do that. He, he started putting Sam under center, uh, some direct handoffs, some good play actions, and that's what really started us to win a few games after the one and seven start. And then he went right back to the same thing. As soon as you get a couple of first downs, it's time for Sam to pass it 40 times. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to work that I, In fact, I'm sure it's not going to work that way. Well, that's what I mean, it gives, think about it. If, if you are such a one dimensional offense, if you're the opposing defense, you can sit back in coverage for, for, I think the number is 70% of the time the jets pass the ball. <laughs> That, hey, Danielle, what did we see? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's amazing what Sam Darnold has done despite all that, actually. I like Sam. I think he's got a way to go, but I don't think that uh, the whispering in his ear that we're going to throw it a million times a game and we'll just run just, I don't know. You got you got Bell. And being a Jets fan, I'm used to having a good running back. Yeah. I mean, Curtis I'm Martin. used to that. <laughs> and, yeah. and um, you know, when we don't run the ball – we don't win the game. Real simple. Yeah, I agree with you. And 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 and, and thanks for the call, Mark. And w- and when Le'Veon Bell got got what was it versus the the Bengals were the worst run defense in the league. And Adam Gase's game plan that he didn't even go home for Thanksgiving dinner because he was too busy game planning for this game. First of all, I have so many thoughts flowing through my head. Right. First of all, the Jets didn't even make it into the red zone in that game. They didn't see the red zone. And this this offensive guru skipped Thanksgiving dinner with his family in order to come up with a game plan for that game. That's embarrassing, first of all. And second of all, the heat that he took for not running the ball against the worst run defense in the league. That's why he changed his game plan. Don't you get it? He didn't want to. I'm like... He he didn't want to do that. Someone told him to do that. He's just too petty to be a head coach in the in the NFL. I'm sorry, David and Comac. You're on the fan. Hey Danielle, how are you? Good. How are you? All righty. 
I thought that Gettleman should be fired. I think it's not too late for Mara to get smart and fire uh, Gettleman. Uh, I don't think that Daniel Jones is that great of a quarterback. I what? think they should be looking for another quarterback. Really? And I that he's injury-prone based on the fact he twisted his ankle right away. Yeah, but I don't – I mean, I think that might have been a little plan. If I, You know what I'm saying? And not only that, but uh, when Eli plays, I don't see them pull, uh, trying to uh, – Go behind him and, and pull the uh, the ball out of his hands like they were doing with uh, with Daniel Jones. That seems to be a bad habit. I don't like that. I think that 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 quarterback is not NFL material. I don't see this guy being uh, in the NFL for that long. I think the Giants should cut him and move on. I don't think so, David. I, I mean, he was one of your your number one draft pick last year. You're just gonna just cut your losses. At that point? Yeah, I would move on. I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. I would look for another quarterback in the draft. Uh, who, who were you taking then? Burrow's going to be gone. Well, Two is I a big question mark. Stick with Eli until they find somebody that's better. I don't think that uh, Daniel Jones is the answer. And uh, I think they should bring Coughlin back. I, and uh, I'm glad they got rid of Sherman, but I think you need to bring Coughlin back. That's how the whole thing got started. Ever since Coughlin left, the team is a disaster. And I think at the time that it was not the right move to get rid of Coughlin. And look what happened. I said when they got rid of Coughlin, it, I don't. I didn't think it was the right move. I don't know I, why why they they had to do that at that point in time. Coughlin, he's got a proven track record. He yeah. won two. Giants. That should that's who should be coaching this team. Yeah. Would you be happy with Mike McCarthy? Uh, I don't know that much about McCarthy. I think it's ridiculous also to bring in that guy Yule. He's a college coach. I don't think that's the right move. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm done with the uh, the prove it sort of guys. And, and David, as always, thanks for the call. Uh, and this is going to be the debate that we have going forward. Um, I, unlike him, I do think that that Daniel Jones is, is going to be the franchise quarterback. I mean, that's what he's set up to be. And I don't think bringing Eli Manning back for another year is going to be the answer because it's not going to happen. Eli Manning said he does not want to be a backup quarterback. And he said it wasn't fun. I don't know if that's the direct quote, but that's what I'm garnering, the fact that it's not fun to be playing 16 seasons and then sitting the last one, watching a younger guy take your job. And while he did an excellent professional job at it, if Eli's going to play again, it's going to be in a starting position, a starting role. But at that point, do you move your kids? Because it's not going to be with the Jets, so they're going to have to look elsewhere. Do you move your kids and upset your whole life for another year or two? And the other point of this is, so first of all, they're not bringing Eli back. That's, that's that. That's done with. That ship has sailed. And that leaves Daniel Jones as the franchise quarterback. And then the other thing, I, you got to think about this. You know, you've got a whole class of quarterbacks that are, that are old. Eli being one of them. Ben Roethlisberger being another one of them. Philip Rivers. That Those are like all a lot of the same to me. And then you got the upper tier of like Rodgers, Brady. Uh, another name is escaping me. But what I'm trying to say is that if you're Eli Manning and you're looking and if your end goal is to get into the Hall of Fame, which – that's debatable, and we could talk about that. I think he's a Hall of Famer. A lot of you guys don't. But if you're looking at Eli Manning and his career with the end goal being the Hall of Fame, I would get out now because you need a five years 
away from the game before even to be considered. So if Eli Manning gets out of football before any of those guys, he's got an easier path to Canton. Because then if you find yourself, say he retires next year, and Tom Brady retires next year, and Ben Roethlisberger retires next year, well, then you're talking about Eli Manning trying to get into the Hall of Fame against those guys. But if Eli Manning gets out before those guys, he's got a better chance, don't you think? So if that's the end goal, I I say you retire now. Don't risk your health. You know, you, you've what more does Eli Manning have to prove? He doesn't need the money. So it really would be about, what, pride at this point in time. So I think Eli Manning retires. Not that I know anything about the situation. I've never talked to Eli Manning, uh, you know, in an interview setting. Um, I've met him, but not in that sort of setting. And to me... I mean, I know he's a competitor. I know his family is a family of competitors. But, I mean, that send-off was just so perfect, nice and neat, tied up in a bow. I'm sure you were there maybe even at MetLife Stadium to do it. And I think that's going to be the end of Eli Manning. And as far as the franchise quarterback moving forward, got to be Daniel Jones. I mean, they've invested so much in him that they can't just cut him loose now. And uh, my question to you guys is, we'll get into this after the break, Will Antonio Brown fit on any of our New York teams? I think the answer might surprise you. I'm Daniel McCartan. On the fan, you guys can get on get on the phone, 877-337-6666. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 Good morning, everybody. We are in the new decade. Wake up. Everybody, anybody leaving the clubs right now, please make sure that you are hopping into an Uber and not your car. I did see a, a, a drunk driver on the way here, and I did do the right thing. I was an upstander. I made the phone call to that town's police, and uh, I was driving the other way, and, and I saw two police cars coming, getting heading back behind me. So hopefully they, they got the guy. Do not drive drunk behind a car tonight uh, behind the wheel tonight everybody call uber call lyft that's why it's there isn't it so i just wanted to welcome you and anybody watching from the west coast or listening from the west coast it is now uh 1206 a.m in las vegas i know we have listeners from there um california they are celebrating the new year as we speak right now and of course there's hawaii and alaska to follow i believe but um you know most of the continental united states or all of it is now in the new decade. So welcome to the new decade, anybody on the West Coast. And the question I asked, and I'll get to your calls in a second, 877-337-6666. The question I asked before the break was, will Mercurial Antonio Brown fit on any of, or both of our New York football teams? And that was a major story in the NFL towards the end of last week. The Saints called Antonio Brown and five other wide receivers in for a workout. Antonio Brown has subsequently called it a publicity stunt, yet he was the one who brought the TV cameras. But there, it was a group workout, there was no live stream, and no reporters, to my knowledge, present. So since we got a lot of three Giants calls on hold, I'll get to you in a second, will Antonio Brown fit on the New York football Giants? Well, you have to look no farther than Odell Beckham Jr.'s tenure in New York. 
Pat Shermer once told me that you never give up on talent. But the Giants sure gave up on Odell Beckham Jr. Maybe it had to do with, I don't know, just off the top of my head, headbutting the kicking net. The interview on national TV with Lil Wayne throwing Eli Manning under the bus. And Eli Manning had the perfect dad line come back to that. And he said, what do you say? I don't even know who Lil Wayne is. Lil Wayne who? Of course, then there's the boat trip. And then the subsequent loss in the playoffs to the Packers. Then maybe it was the peeing like a dog on a fire hydrant celebration in the end zone. But Antonio Brown's rap sheet is way more serious than any of those things that Odell Beckham Jr. ever did here with the Giants. I mean, his epic social media posts and rants is number one. He's suing both the Patriots and the Raiders to a tune of $40 million total. As of uh, late last week, he was suing his baby's mother to make her leave the house. Two women have accused him of sexual assault, one of which, after three reported instances, he's countersuing for defamation of character and interfering with his career and making him unemployable in the NFL, he says. After he's tweeted that he's never, he's, he'll never play in the NFL, he says. And then his very public feud with his father on Christmas Eve. His dad, Eddie Brown, says... It really hit ahead with the situation in Pittsburgh. It all became overwhelming for him. And instead of reaching out for counseling and understanding how to to deal with it, Antonio decided to handle it himself and didn't come out of it the right way. Antonio responds with, my dad's a failure with nine kids working at UPS and he still pays my mom child support to do, uh, do not take anything he says serious. I just bought him a Rolex and for wasted, which is spelled wrong, wasted time. Only news he could make talking about me, about your other, talk about your other eight kids, chump. That's what he said about his father. Come on, man. Odell Beckham Jr. pales in comparison, and the Giants shipped him off for his, in his words, career to die in Cleveland. So do you think Tish and Mara are in on Antonio Brown? I'm going to go with no. You could definitely cross one team off the Antonio Brown wish list, the New York Giants. Need-based or not. Because Odell, because of Odell Beckham Jr.'s fate, Brown will not be a New York Giant, a New York football giant. Case closed. But there's always the question, what about the Jets? Rich in Bayshore, you're on the fan. Hey, happy new year. You too. Oh, yeah, so Antonio Brown's a head case first off, and he's not going to go anywhere near the Giants. Uh, they have their own problems trying to organize their own team. Yep. But, uh... First and foremost, I think uh, Mara and Tish, um, I think they getting, I don't know if they're outdated or what, but uh, they just don't get it. They had Gettleman, and uh, of course, he's made one or two draft picks, but what's the worst that could have happened? They could have drafted Darnold, and they could have had Josh Allen. I mean, right. It was kind of, at two and six, it's kind of a more or less, it was uh, good chances that you were going to get a decent player on both of those drafts. Well, that's like McCagnan. Well, he never missed in the top couple picks that he made. Jamal Adams, I mean, Sam Darnold, he, he never missed. It's easy to do right. when you're picking at the top. Right. Well, yeah, it's fairly easy for the most part. You know, once in a while you get a complete bust. But at the same time, I mean, he drafts these players and then he surrounds them with uh, high overpriced players that are mediocre, like Nate Solder. Right. And then he reaches for uh, one of the other guys. I forgot the other alignment that got cut. I forgot his name. Was it uh, Flowers? Know. Eric Flowers or Omame? Omame, yeah. Yeah, okay. Basically, he was there for, you know, for a cup of coffee. <laughs> and then, you know, he basically brings in um, Belcher and these other people that are from, from the coaching staff, 
and they, you know, they they take in ex Carolina players and Cardinal players, and you know, basically surrounds, I guess, his his young guys that are you know talented with nothing around them, and he overpays for people. And for every one good step he's made, he's taking three steps back. Yeah, and it makes no sense for him to continue, you know, with the progress. I think one, I think, um, you know. Just like the Ravens did, you know, with Lamar Jackson, you got to change with the times, and you got. I think he's a little outdated for what's going on right now. And I think just because he drafted one or two good players, he's had a lot of faults, you know. And that's pretty much, you know, I think they just need to go in a different direction and clean house. But uh, you know, that's pretty much what I have to say. I appreciate it, and uh, your show is very good. And uh, happy New Year again. Thanks, you too, Rich. I appreciate the call, and and that's a good point, uh, Patrick Omame. They the Giants cut. I mean, that was one of heralded, like he said, like he was just saying, Nate Solder, Omame, they're going to shore up that offensive line with those hog mollies is what he said. We'll get them in said. Giants cut offensive lineman Patrick Omame by November 10th of last season. Like, really? They waived Eric Flowers and then cut Omame, and that was a three-year, $15 million deal. And he had lost his job, and he was just going to be sitting on the bench. So I think Dave Gettleman is a good drafter. But, you know, everybody, I'd like to think that everybody does a good job at the top of the draft nowadays, especially with the analytics and analytics and software, as Dave Gettleman says. Um, it's, it's hard to miss at the top. And I'm sure you guys can call up with exceptions to that rule. But it's really, it's, generally, it's hard to miss. At the top. And what I like about Dave Gettleman is his ability to draft in the later rounds. Because with the Jets and, and McCagnan, he couldn't do that. He he couldn't do that. Like the guys that he has drafted, I would say 80% of them are either they're they're either on practice squads or not in the league anymore. Mike McCagnan, I'm talking. So that's the one saving grace about Dave Gettleman. Otherwise, the money that he has spent has not paid off, quite literally. I mean, he came in guns a-blazing with this plan to rid the locker room of, of those kind of guys. He shipped off a ton of them. Talented guys. Landon Collins comes to mind. Odell Beckham Jr. comes to mind. Say what you want about Odell Beckham Jr. He is a talented wide receiver. I mean, we can get into why he hasn't put up any sort of numbers this year in Cleveland, that's a whole other story. But basically, it boils down to the fact that there are three guys there, Baker Mayfield, Landry, and Beckham, that they're all me guys. You can't have a team with all me guys. And that's what's going on there. So like I said, Dave Gettleman, if you're going to, you know, if they're going to clean house, it's too late now. One of the callers before said, oh, you could still do it. You can't do it. He addressed the media. It's just, it's too late now to get rid of Gettleman. But I think it puts the Giants in a very slippery slope. You know, he's not making the decisions he kept emphasizing in his press conference. Collaboration. We are collaborating. This is a team. We are collaborating. So maybe that puts the onus off of him for the blame later on about the analytics or the lack thereof. Carmen and Lyndon, you're on the fan. Hello, Danielle. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Danielle, I'm going to be pretty quick, but uh, sure. I'm I'm a, I'm angry at you because every time you, you you're 
you're so sharp and on the ball. Um, every time I'm going to make a point, it's like I'm 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 parroting what you just got done saying. Oh, go but ahead, I'm going to say, go ahead, yeah, go. <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna you, you, I'm gonna say it anyway. Sure. Um, I'm a 70 year old guy. I live in Jersey, but for 60 years I've been a a, a big. I'm a, I'm a New York area fan, but I'm mm-hmm. a big Yankee fan, New York Giant fan, and a Knicks fan. One of the biggest things about being a fan of those three teams, the Knicks. For many years, I was proud to say I was a Knicks fan. We all know what's happened with ownership and yeah. everything. So it's hard to say that. Mm-hmm. The, Yan- the, the, the fact of being a Yankee fan, I'll always be proud through the Steinbrenner years, and today I'm still proud, the way Yankees, the Yankees do things. Mm-hmm. Now let's get to the Giants, mm-hmm. the point I was going to make. Before you went off on the last break, you talked about, uh, about the, the, the idea of Antonio Brown mm-hmm. coming to a New York team. And before you came, when you came back from the break, you made some points, but... As soon as I heard that, this is what I, I wanted to mention to you. What's that? When, and you mentioned uh, OBJ. Mm-hmm. When, when the Giants decided, Beckham talked about all he wanted to be was the highest paid guy. Mm-hmm. When the Giants decided, whether it was Gettleman or whether it was management, the fish or the ma- whoever decided to give him the money that he asked for, that's that's one that 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 was to me. I wanted him gone a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But then when they come back one year or two years later, I forget what it was, and and, and let him go. Any team with any class, and especially the, the 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 Giants, what they did over all those years as a class operation. How in God's name? Do you give the guy all that money, and then a year later, two years later, whatever the heck it was, mm-hmm. you let him go? But, Odell Beckham, I don't care how much ingrained talent he has, and I agree with you. He's nowhere near uh, the things that uh, Antonio Brown does. I wouldn't touch Antonio Brown, not just from the standpoint of not performing, but for the same reason that I wanted Beckham gone a long time ago. When the inmates Run the asylum. Have you ever heard? I'm sure you heard that expression. Yep. When the inmate or an inmate runs the asylum, you're in a lot of trouble. And that's the way I look at Beckham. And that's why I think he brought the Giants down. I, you can't point to anything that he did. We always point to how much great inherent talent he has. I won't deny that. He's never on the field. He's a me guy. It's him, him, him. It, 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 the jokes and the games he plays, you never can win. I, 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 you never say never, but I don't believe you could ever produce a winning team with guys and gentlemen like him. Uh, you're, you're terrific at what you do. I'll continue to listen to you. I hope one of these days that when I say something, that's not something that you already said. <laughs> I have a good one and a happy the Car- best in 2020 to you, Danielle. It's a pleasure uh, listening to you. Thanks for the call. Um, there's a lot there <laughs> with with Odell Beckham, obviously. Um, but the thing is, with, with Odell Beckham Jr., he's talented. He's physically gifted. Physically talented. He's a good man off the field. I've seen it. It's a mental thing. When you talk about coaching and you talk about, you know, wired players, me players, that's a mental adjustment. 
And if Odell Beckham Jr. can shift that and, and make that mental shift into being team first, which I think in his mind he thinks he is, and that's where the issue is. That's where the issue is happening. But if he can really, if someone can tap into him with a sports psychologist, show him, I mean, that's how I would handle it. I would show him what he's been doing and show him that how it's not the way it's supposed to be done. The guy's a talent. He's a force. And maybe does Antonio Brown fit with the Jets? Well, maybe that's another question that has a different answer. We'll get into that after the break. I'm Danielle McCartan. After midnight here on The Fan, and here is Marco Belletti with the update. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 101.9 FM, WFAN, New York. Girls carrying the shoes down in the lobby. This is a request I had put in with Nick. This is Taylor Swift. Was it New Year's Day or New Year's Eve? New Year's Day, right? Yeah, uh, New Year's Day. Yeah. I love this song. Just download this song, everybody. This is a good one. So I got some I got some tweets over the break, and one is from Paul O'Connell. He said Antonio Brown has to behave himself, which is hard to do for him if he's going to play for New York. And then Kevin, who called in before, tweeted me again, and he said Antonio Brown would not fit with either team in New York. The media would not put up with his antics. He's a diva, and I highly doubt anyone would sign him. Look at his workout in New Orleans. The team told him not to bring an entourage, and he does, and he doesn't respect authority. But what about the Jets? And if you're on hold, we could talk about this. 877-337-6666. Get on hold. I'll make this quick. First and foremost, for the Jets, you'd have to get, because I think Antonio Brown would fit on the New York Jets. You'd have to get some sort of management structure in place, which I'm sure the Patriots tried, okay? The guy was cut by the regimented army-like Bill Belichick Patriots, for crying out loud. But they cut him. They didn't need him. They wanted him. So how about a team that needs him? Would they be more willing to help him? And if they're smart enough, yes. Because the Jets certainly have a need for a number one stud wide receiver because, in my opinion, Robbie Anderson isn't it and never was it and never will be it, especially with the dollar amount he's, he's going to be seeking come the end of this season. Bye-bye, Robbie Anderson. For this reason, this Antonio Brown and New York Jets discussion is more intriguing. I mean, like Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown's skill level is not up for debate. He's a general t- generational talent on the field. So here are some of my ideas for the Jets to protect themselves from Antonio Brown because his talent is worth it. Talent speaking. I like an incentive-laden deal. And as part of that deal, you need to broker in four things. One, a zero social media policy or, because I know that's not possible in today's society, a social media handler, the only person with passwords to his verified accounts, that person would be in charge of the messages that he sends out. It goes through like a filter. This person would be like a filter. Two, an on-call psychologist and frequent, regularly scheduled appointments. Three, an anger management program. And four, a strictly enforced curfew. You want to play football? You play by our rules. And if you don't, it's going to hit you in your pocket. Because my, my proposal would be that 
all of Antonio Brown's participation in these things would be punishable by a predetermined fine schedule. I mean, this would obviously have to be agreed upon by the NFLPA, the league office, but I see enough give and take here, actually. Antonio Brown, the player, would get to play football again on a contingent base contract, and Antonio Brown, the person, will have the necessary scaffolds in place to become a better and more just mentally healthy. Once and if the money remaining on the contract goes down to zero, you're cut, banned from the league. Again, that's just my idea. I'm just, I'm just trying to get creative. The only qualm I have about that is, or would be, his effect on the other, others in that locker room, and most importantly, on what would be his young quarterback, Sam Darnold. I also don't think that Adam Gase has the, prof- the professional ability, the personality, everything above, and or acumen to handle Antonio Brown. But nonetheless, the discussion is just that. Discussion. What do you guys think? Let's go back to the phones. 877-337-6666. Terry, are you calling us a long distance from Armenia? Is that true? No, Armenia. A-M-E-N-I-A. Oh, okay, okay. Texas County. Oh, okay, gotcha. Pardon the voice. I was going to say, wow. Breathing tube, breathing tube down your throat for a month, you'll sound like this. You sound fine. Anyway. What do you got for me? Before I get to Eli Manning, I must correct you. What's that? The second decade of the 21st century does not end until December 31st, 2020. There was no year zero. The teens are over. The 20s have begun. But the second decade has not ended. Eli Manning. <laughs> Wait a second. So you're telling me we, I have to save that for this time next year? Correct. There was no year zero. The end of the first decade was the end of the year 10, and so forth. Okay, all right, I got you. Everybody makes this mistake. <laughs> you can talk about the teens being over. They are. The 20s have started, definitely. But the second decade doesn't end until December 31st of this year. Well, you have enlightened thousands of us listening right now. So what do you got for us there'll on Eli a, Manning? There'll be a short quiz next period. Um, <laughs> Eli Manning. Eli Manning, quarterbacks are like opera singers. There was a famous opera singer who retired at the prime of her career. And when asked why, Mm -hmm. she said, I would rather people say, what, so soon, rather than thank God finally. (laughs) Eli Manning has gotten to the thank God finally stage. Please, Mr. Manning, call it a career. Thank you very much for the time. Thanks for hanging on hold for that. That we got we got two references there. Uh, the, uh, the what's it called? The um, what was he just talking about first? Oh my god! I'm trying to look up something as I talk, and I cannot do that. I'm very sorry. Um, well, the decade thing, obviously, and then the opera singer, which I have gone to the Metropolitan Opera here at Lincoln Center. I go once a year for the past nine years. And before that, I've gone a couple times too. So I do, I don't want to say enjoy the opera, but I do go to it. I am a cultured person, everybody. And what he just said reminded me of, and I don't know the name of that opera singer that he referenced, but as he was talking, it made me think of this. One of my favorite movies, The, the Dark Knight, Batman, you know, with the one with Heath Ledger, the Joker. There's a quote and from uh, Harvey, I guess it was Harvey Dent. It says, well, I guess you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. 
I disagree. I think Eli Manning is getting out just in time. Justin, Floral Park, you're on the fan. Just in time, Justin here. There you, you go. go. Perfect. I didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Happy New Year. You too. Um, big Bills fan here. A little worried now that I got the news that J.J. Watt's playing. Yeah, I saw that. that. Might, uh, disrupt this whole thing with Josh Allen. Yep. Um, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, it's on the road. What, what's your thoughts on this game? Um, you know what? I, I have a game that I think is going to be a um, uh, kind of like a trap game, and, I, and I'll reveal that probably after the break, but mm. I think this is the second trap game. I, I like the Buffalo Bills in this game. I like to hear that. It's very good. No, I do. I like the Bills. I like what Josh Allen has done, yep. and I like the fact that they can get some pressure. Now, the, prob- yeah, the problem with travels. them— yeah, the problem with this is you got Deshaun Watson, who's a, oh, a mobile quarterback. Yes. You'd have to have some sort of spy on him, and that's right. what's concerning to me. Otherwise, I think the Bills have a good chance at this. I mean, their offensive line is terrible, used to know, and uh, Watson is coming off a bad ankle. Yep. So he could be limited. Advantage Bills. I'm just Bills. hoping they uh, short pass the game. You know, get Devlin Singletary involved, Beasley over the you know middle, and then maybe bomb it out to John Brown because uh, you know he's one of the fastest wide receivers in the game. Yeah. Josh Allen misses him a lot. And well, that's the thing that worries me because you know it's his first playoff game. Could be a little you know nervous. Yeah, I'm sure. Or not. But and then but but then again, maybe not. I mean, the yeah. guy has embraced his role as as the face of that franchise. I'm sure you've right. seen. Yeah. And maybe not. Maybe there's maybe there are no nerves. Maybe it is just the same game between the same lines as as many players have said. And as far as Antonio Brown goes, I mean, the guy, I'm sorry, the guy's suffering from bipolar disorder. And more, so anybody, I'm sure. Anybody that signs this guy is crazy, and they already have. An issue already starting with Le'Veon Bell. Not sure if you're seeing this, but him, oh, him yeah. and Gaze do not like each other. Oh, no so way. I would not be surprised. No, no kidding. <laughs> if uh, the Jets actually trade him back to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Because the way he was talking after the Pittsburgh game, it seemed like he wanted to go back to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I mean, so I would he, not be surprised. he wanted out so bad, and then he, he got stuck here with Adam Gase. That, that's yeah. like the equivalent of Odell Beckham Jr. going to Cleveland. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He probably wants to get out of there, too. Yeah, I'm sure he does. You've seen the reports, I'm sure, of him going around to all the other players. Or I mean, get me out of here, get me out of here. Yep, well, have a great uh, New Year, and uh, thanks again. And thanks. Thanks for the call, Justin. I appreciate that. Uh, let's head out to Ray, Manhattan, right here in Manhattan. You're on the fan. Hey, what's up, girl? What's up? It's good to talk to you. You too. Hey, uh, a couple of things. Um, but first, I wanted to get to this uh, Rob Gronkowski and Steve Harvey. Did you see it? Drunk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, yo, you got to be kidding me. Steve Harvey, then, he, he was not joking. He was actually <laughs> mad. He was livid. And, and then... <laughs> And then Gronk does the dance thing at the end, and he's kicking the, the I know. pieces of the thing. <laughs> like, Yo, are you kidding me? Oh, that oh, was hilarious. Man. I had to bring that. I, I saw it when I logged on Twitter, and I had to play it on here. And, and I don't know if you – did you see it live, or, or did you watch the replay online? No, after you mentioned it, I checked it on ah, Twitter. See? And I Good. Like, I'm glad. Oh, <laughs> amazing. But, Danielle, um, I tweeted – I'm one of your newest followers on Twitter, and I uh-huh. tweeted that. I only get to hear you. The last hour of the show because on Saturday mornings when I work on Saturday morning. Yeah. But I but I like what I hear and I was awake now and I heard you're going to be on so I got to give you a call. Ray, I got to here, here's a little commercial. You can go on the radio.com rewind feature if you have the app. It's free. App. I don't have space in my phone. Oh, I got to clear it out. I got I got to upgrade. I still got a Galaxy Seven. I got uh, a ten. See, I'm an iPhone. But person. um. <laughs> Before I get to the uh, the gays thing, um, you, did you mention somebody in your family is a Buccaneers fan? Yeah, my cousin. He lives in Tampa Bay. Oh, please, I know. Uh, well, well, I am. And I'm a New Yorker, but I was born here. But I'm a Bucks fan. And um, but uh, um, enough on that because you know we won't get into the thirty thirty thing. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's a damn shame. 
I think we should keep him though, you know, quickly on that one. But um, yeah, I agree with Adam Gase. Uh, oh, another thing too is uh, I don't think I'm going to be downloading any Taylor Swift anytime soon. Oh, come on, that's a great song. You got to listen to I the understand. lyrics. <laughs> I like her, but I'm, I'm not really into her music. I'm more like a hard rock, heavy metal guy. Oh yeah, well that that's not going to cut it for you. All right, what do you got for me on Gase? R&B. Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to be humble because I think he's just the type of guy that's just a jerk. You know, yep. He's got jerkability. You know, he's like he's got it embedded in him. So. <laughs> jerkability. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. And but I don't, I don't know how he passed. I don't know how him or Strummer passed their interview. It's just unbelievable how how these guys like they must have brainwashed the guys with that thing like in uh, Men in Black. You know that? Yeah, uh, yeah, the little. That, uh, the, I know. I know what you're talking about the little thing that that. that it's like a pen yeah. looking thing. Yeah, I know what you're talking it, about. It makes you, you know, lose your, lose your memory of what just <laughs> happened. So like well, I mean, Adam Gase came in with the resounding uh, Peyton Manning thing uh, recommendation. I think that's the reason why. Well, yeah, well, how did that work out? Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> like, really? I know. Well, but, well anyway, Coach, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I'll try to call you soon if you're on more. But like I said, I'm just like groggy at that time in the morning. Yeah, I know. It's hard. You know, but, but I hope you get more air time because I really like you a lot. And, um, Go, go WFAN. <laughs> right. Thanks for the go call. Happy, happy New Year. Right, Thank you. Uh, yeah. Go, go WFAN. WFAN. I was never a cheerleader. I wanted actually to play football. And I decided that I told my mom and dad too late. I was in eighth grade. By the time I told them I wanted to play football, my mom was like, no, they're bigger than you at this point. It's a, it's a no from me, dog. I love that line from uh, Randy Jackson from uh, American Idol. It's a no from me, dog. Uh, you know what? Let's do it. Chris in Bayonne, you're on the fan. Chris, are you going to tell me to hold on like the other yeah, guy Daniel, did? Yeah, All yeah, right. Sorry. You got you. Oh, you got me? Okay. All right. Uh, I just have a couple of points about two two points that you made tonight about, and you called it about Solder and about Odell Beckham. I'm a, I'm a Giant fan since 1956. I'm a ticket holder for 45 years. Mm-hmm. So I know a little bit about the Giant organization and how they operate. I've been through the ups and downs of this team. Okay, right now we're going through the downs. Mm-hmm. But as far as Gettleman is concerned, I like his drafts. That's number one. My second point on Odell Beckham. All right, they gave him a second contract, a big contract. And then two weeks later, after all the shenanigans on the New York Football Giants, he said publicly in the New York papers, I don't want to be a New York Giant. Yeah, I remember that. Now, if I'm an owner of, of the Giants, John Mara had it up to here with him. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's his money, and he can do anything he wants to do with it, and he got rid of him. Number two, Solder. Okay, Solder. Free agents, tackles were already gone in that particular year. Mm-hmm. They were already re-signed by their teams. He had to protect Eli's blind side, and Solder was the only guy available at that point in time. Right. And he went out and he signed them. And he paid a little bit over for him, but but he still underpaid considering what the other offensive tackles were getting. And and, and, and the other guy, the other guard that you talked about, it didn't pan out. And, and, and they didn't pay a whole lot of money. They were getting seven, eight, nine million dollars these offensive tackles. Well, Omami was, was making Omami was making fifteen over three years, so yeah. And it was still it was still it was still a sum of money, I agree. Right. But we all make boo-boos and we all make mistakes, okay? But he does draft well. And and he only had so much cap room. Now he's gotten rid of a lot of cap. He had a lot of dead money. He got rid of a lot of a lot of Jerry Reese 
And I've complained about Jerry Reese for years mm-hmm. on Giants.com, on FAN, <laughs> on, on New York Radio. I was never a Jerry Reese fan. Never. Never. He ruined that team, in my opinion. Wow. Now, I believe, I believe, and, I'm, and I'll get off the air. Yeah, sure. I'm one of these guys just like to get his points across, mm-hmm. okay? I believe that Kettleman will, is getting a second chance by Mara. I believe with, with all of this money, and we, and we all have to remember, too, they got $70 million in cap. They rank number eight in the league in cap space money. There's still seven teams with a lot more money than they have. Mm. So they're going to be fighting for the same players. So, you know, the Christmas gifts or the Christmas wishes or the new New Year aren't going to be fulfilled as everyone thinks it's going to be. Okay? He's probably going to have leftover cap money, but he's be, I'm hoping he's going to do the best he can. Well, and with that said, I'm a diehard Giants fan. I love my Giants. I live and breathe my Giants, Yankees. Okay, I live and breathe them. And I want to say to you, Happy New Year. I love your show. And any comments about this, I would greatly like to hear it. Thank you very much. Yes, Chris, thank you. I appreciate it. Happy New Year to you, too. Um, see, the thing is, what worries me about Dave Gettleman is is the thing that worries me about Dave Gettleman is the fact that, you know, he he's a great drafter, but then... What about that Eli Manning deal? That why didn't they just cut him last year and save millions of dollars against their cap? So do you trust him with all the money, all the goods? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. And the Giants are in a more positive cap uh, situation moving into next season. They are with Eli Manning being off the books primarily. Um. And I, I don't know if Dave Gettleman is the guy that you need running the free agency, but maybe that's the secret behind the analytics department that they're this this computer dudes, computer guys, and software that they're running. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they're they're revamping the way they evaluate their free agents signings because they haven't really been that good. Let's be honest. And as, as the, all the, all the promise that Nate Solder especially came in with, he got owned often, but he did make a ton of money doing it. So we'll hit your calls after the break, 877-337-6666. Marco Belletti on the update. Get all your NFL football right here on The Fan, beginning with Wild Card Weekend, Saturday. Our coverage begins at 4 p.m. as the Texans host the Bills, followed by the Patriots and Titans. Sunday, it all gets underway at 12.30 as the Saints host the Vikings, followed by the Seahawks and Eagles. Two days, two big doubleheaders, here on your flagship station for NFL football. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN. UFAN FM, New York. Now I don't know what to say. Are we in which decade are we in? I don't even know now. That caller's got me all confused from before. I'm Danielle McCartan. Let's just say from the first full show on WFAN here in January 1st, 2020, as the uh the news cycle is is showing the overheads of Times Square, which is just a little bit north from here. And I did try to, I don't know, drive through it on the way in today, tonight. Never. I got kind of close, but but not as close as I wanted. So maybe on the way home, I'll, I'll be able to get through it. Um, just a shout out to all the NYPD officers that are still working, I'm sure, right now. And uh, around the clock, making sure we are safe here in the city. And any Department of Sanitation worker, if you're listening to me tonight, talk about sports as as you're doing the, the cleaning of the confetti in, in Times Square. I would love to hear from you. I, I, I'm interested and I'm intrigued on how fast that happens, how fast it clears out. 
And I don't know if you guys have heard, but the New York Giants head coach's job is open. Should I submit my resume? I'm just kidding. The longest tenured coach in our New York professional sports is Kenny Atkinson with the Brooklyn Nets. Hired April 2016. Oh my God, what are we doing here, guys? My question to you, everybody listening, I want to hear your thoughts. 877-337-6666. Are or is the team, is the New York Giants an attractive destination for these head coaching candidates? Well, when you look at first, keep this in perspective, as of today, look what else is open. You got the Browns, which I wouldn't touch the Browns with a 10-foot pole. And what are they looking for? Baker Mayfield is going on his fourth head coach, his third offensive coordinator, and his third quarterback's coach is what I heard reported on the NFL Network earlier today. So the Browns have a vacancy. The Panthers have a vacancy, which is not a bad deal. I liked, I like uh, Christian McCaffrey, but there is that question mark with uh, Cam Newton. Are what are they going to do with him, and are they going to move on from him, or, they, or what are they going to do? So that to me doesn't make them so attractive because of the uncertainty at their the number one in position in football, the quarterback, or as Dave Gunnerman says, the quarterback. Did I nail that one? I nailed that one. The quarterback, and. Then you have the Giants. And then you have the Cowboys, by the way. The question mark of the Cowboys is, are they or are they not going to fire Jason Garrett? They've had meeting upon meeting upon meeting. And they don't seem to know what they're doing with him just yet. And I have to commend, and hopefully maybe you're listening, NFL Network's Jane Slater. She has been camped outside, seemingly with a sleeping bag and a tent, for crying out loud, of, of the facility, of the Cowboys facility, just waiting for a word. I mean, she's been there day and night. So she has to be commended of what she's been doing in her reporting on this, this Jason Garrett thing. But the pictures that he was taking on the field after the game and the fact that the dribs and drubs are, he's telling his coaches that they should look elsewhere Oh, but then they're at the end of their contract, too. I mean, what are they going to do? Right now, the Browns are open, the Giants are open, the Panthers are open. I do believe that the Giants are a very attractive destination for three reasons. Well, two, really, actually. They are a flagship franchise. But when compared to another flagship franchise, especially in recent years, the stability just just hasn't been there. I mean, when you look at... the Pittsburgh Steelers, they've had three coaches since 1969. 1969! The Giants are going to be looking for their 13th head coach in that same time frame. But they are one of the originals, and that's attractive. And two, why the Giants are an attractive destination are the pieces are in place. The franchise quarterback, despite the, the caller earlier, the franchise quarterback is in place. And the old one, more importantly, is out. I'm not talking Eli. I'm just talking about Eli Manning. You know, there is no more question mark. It's Daniel Jones moving forward, and that's it. That's what you have to work with. There's no question mark. There's no flip-flopping. There's no pressure from the media, from the fans, from the ownership. Also, the franchise running back is there. I mean, they've got a young team. 
They started, what, one of the youngest rosters in all of football, the whole league. What the Giants need is a defense. What Dave Gettleman needs to go out and get is a defense. Somehow, some way, because he traded most of it away. He, he, I mean, Snacks Harrison. I mean, Landon Collins. I mean, Eli Apple. I mean, just look at what he's done. He's dismantled the defense, and now he needs to rebuild it and fast, like this year. And as you heard, John Marin, it was a Kim Jones question, I believe, who she's the best. Kim Jones' question was, um, I, th- I believe, it was uh, something along the lines of, like, you know, Dave Gettleman, what's his leash? And he said, and Jim Mara said, oh, well, you know, he does, he's, basically he doesn't have a good batting average, so he needs to get that up. Well, how can he do that? By getting a defense. And the only reason why I think, and I sort of kind of alluded to it, but the only reason why I think that the Giants are not an attractive destination for a head coach, well, there's two, A and B. A is Dave Gettleman and the perception that he's not easy to work with, which he addressed at the presser today. He said he is, he, he those those things must be coming from people that don't know me, is what I think he said. That's not a direct quote, it's a paraphrase there. But, um, and then the other thing is, there's been, like I said, a lot of turnover this past decade. Past 10 years have seen four head coaches for the Giants alone. And no offense to you Giant fans out there, but you've got an impatient fan base in the Giants. They're used to winning, and they haven't seen much of it. So if you're the head coach coming in, I mean, that's, that's you know, the fans are not going to give you a long leash. You need to produce this year. And that means you have to trust Dave Gettleman to get the right guys to do so. I'm not sold on that. So that might be a real big hang-up for a lot of the guys that might be coming in to interview and ultimately select it. Let's head back to the phones, 877-337-6666. David in Westbury, you're on the fan. Uh, hi, Danielle. Great show. Thank you. Uh, I, wa- I wanted to respond to the guy uh, who made the uh, eloquent defense of uh, Gettleman. Um, all good points, and I was willing to kind of buy into it until I heard the press conference. Mm. And you guys played something earlier, and his response about why he didn't come out and defend Shermer was he checked around the league to see yeah. what the other GMs were doing. That's not a good look. Is, is that is that what you want in a GM that's trying to make a decision and he's going to call and see what everybody else is doing? I mean, that's the lamest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, what do you think? That's a big fat excuse, and that is not a leader. Yeah, and I, it's like a like when a little kid gets caught doing something wrong, and he says, "Well, none of the other guys are doing it." <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Exactly. I mean, that's especially when you heard his tone. Is that was his tone? His yeah. Tone was like like that whiny. In fact, the whole press conference was kind of like that. So, well, yeah. I mean, can I mean, you imagine any? I, I tweeted out I, I, when it was just starting. I was listening on the radio here on WFN on the radio.com app. Not a commercial, but that's how I was listening to it. And uh, I, I was like, I tweeted. I said, "Let me get my popcorn," because Dave Gettleman has been just so absent. That, that they were going back and back and back on deals that he made months ago, or we even weeks ago, just to get his opinion on those deals, including the Leonard Williams trade. I mean, that is concerning, that he, he can't get out in front and talk to, to, basically, to the fans, basically. Right. And then, and then also, further, as a coach, 
who's, you know, like this guy Rule from Baylor. Yeah. You're looking at that, and you're trying to decide whether you want to go with the Giants, and you hear him say, well, he'll decide to stick up for you based on what everybody else was doing. Yeah. Are you going to want to go and work for that guy? Yeah, and I think would that— Would you as a, no, as a I coach? Would not. I know Never. you're a coach. Never. Never in a million years. Nope. So anyway, that's my response. Yeah. To, I mean, the guy was eloquent. He had all really good points. Yeah. You know about the good things he's done, but to me, that erased everything. And and now you got a situation where if he doesn't perform next year, now you got a new coach, right? And a GM that's not performing. So what do you do? Yep. It's more turnover. Uh, it's a, it's the carousel. Uh, it's a disaster. Yep. Anyway. Well, David, thanks uh, for the call. Your Appreciate show. it. You're doing great. Thanks. Thanks. Um, yeah, and that's the other thing, too, of course, the, the the carousel there as well. I mean, it's just so much. And then, so as a coach, and and I think that was a major point of contention for Ron Rivera, actually. And and I've addressed it on here, the reasons why I didn't think Ron Rivera was going to come and be a Giants coach. Well, because of Dave Gettleman. And what Dave Gettleman did to him in, in Carolina is much of the same of what Dave Gettleman did to Pat Sharmer here. So there's a trend. So he just asked, Dave just asked if, if as a coach, me, if, would I like to work with, with a guy that, that, that does that? No. I mean, you could preach collaboration all you want. You could say it, say it, say it. But you're not going to – I felt like Pat Sharmer was kind of short, sort of thrown under the bus for the shortcomings of a team that, that he put out there. I mean, the Giants basically did not have a defense. They have a young defense. But it's ranked at the bottom of, of many of the major categories. And is that because they they didn't play together? I mean, Gettleman's making that move. There's a lot of moving parts on the Giants' defense. Okay, I give him that. But that's now, I, I, I've come down on Adam Gase. This, that's not an excuse. James Betcher, I don't know how the guy lasted the entire year. I don't know how he lasted. I mean, he should have been shown the door after that epic collapse versus the uh, the Cardinals game, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, really. So, I mean, at the draft, but... But the draft is good. He's a good late-round drafter, and I think that's why the Giants are holding on. But then that the, the issue then becomes, I mean, they must have some sort of confidence in Dave Gettleman, like massive confidence in Dave Gettleman to keep him aboard. Because that then becomes, if in fact he doesn't work out, right? Let's just say, let's just, let's just say that Dave Gettleman doesn't work out this season. Giants have a first-year head coach, com- you know, finishing his first year. You've got a new general manager coming in to build the team his way with new guys, new personnel, and possibly new scheme. I mean, this this is not a good look. It's not a good look. So the Giants must have utmost total confidence in Dave Gettleman. And, and I'm not I'm not really sure why. I mean, that's like what he said about the, I mean, people are getting all hung up on this computer guy and, you know, but that's the thing. Like, 
I mean, we are in 2020 now, everybody. It's January 1st. We are in 2020. How have you yet to embrace analytics, biometrics even? And to be part of a team now, a team, a collaborative effort, you know, you are the face of that. And you need to take charge. And you need to learn about these things. Don't just... Olay it. Don't do, actionay it. You need to take charge of it and you need to learn and learn fast. Because let me tell you something. My number one choice for the Giants head coach, Mike McCarthy, let me tell you something. He is taking control of it. He's addressed this offseason his, his supposed shortcomings. We could talk about that after the break. I mean, we could talk about the qualifications needed for the next Giants coach. We could talk about my number one, two, and three, and I would love to hear your number one, two, and three. And we have a bunch of calls on hold. I understand. I will get to you. Hang on. I'll get to you right after the break. But I have three qualifications that the Giants absolutely need in their head coaching search. And then I have one guy that fits it. I'll tell you right now, the guy is is Mike McCarthy. So obviously more of your calls after the break, 877-337-6666. Hang in there, guys. I'll be right with you. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 W-F-A-N. At 4.05 in the morning, if you are out and still about in this New York City, then you know what? Good for you. Really good for you. You are the champion of the night at 4.05 on this New Year's New York City. If you are working, so am I. We're going to get through it together. Don't worry. And again, NYPD, Department of Sanitation, you guys do a great job every single day. And we'll get right to the calls. I just want to talk about the Giants coaching search here, guys. It is the biggest story in New York that the Giants yet again have a head coach opening, a vacancy. And at 420, we're going to talk to Susan Waldman, um, the first voice ever heard here on WFAN in 1987, which was before I was born. 1987, Susan Waldman came on and gave the first update. So we'll talk to her about Don Imus, his legacy, because um, I was, as you know, I was on the air that night, and um, and more so about the Yankees and and Garrett Cole and Dee Gregorius and. Uh, Gio Urshela and his progress, et cetera, et cetera. So that would be at 420. So um, we can, this is be your chance to get on board, 877-337-6666. And when we talk about the Giants coaching search, quickly I have three categories. A full team manager that will give up play calling to his coordinators. Two, an offensive mind. I don't want no defensive dude. Offensive mind with experience in working with and developing a quarterback and a winning pedigree. Enough of these up-and-coming next hot thing coaches around the league. So there's only one guy for me that checks all three of those boxes. It is Mike McCarthy. Ben, thanks for holding. You're in Queens, and you are on the fan. Morning, Miss Danielle. Firstly, let me, let me say this. As a listener from day one of the fan, no one can ever take away from you now that you had the first full show of 2020 on That's the right. fan. That's right. So... That that's you. You are now in the record books, my dear. Yes, that's that's it. You 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 nailed that one. And Susan, you, Susan Woman, you know she's a staple. She 
I mean, Radio Hall of Fame, hey, I know there's some guys, ah, oh, woman, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. but she was here, and she's been quality since she's been on. So I, I don't fault you for looking up to her. And Kim Jones, you know, awesome. I mean, hey, football thing, that, that's awesome on that. I'm a Jet fan. I already told, like, John and I told Sal, you know, if, if they get Matt Rule or they get Eric Bieniemy, I'm going to be mad as hell. I'll accept it, but that's who I wanted for the Jets. <laughs> yeah. No lie. I wanted, like, an offensive mind that will, like, open up the field for Darnold. And, and I, this was even before Le- Le'Veon Bell was even an option, you know, because part of the thing with my coaches, you have a weapon like Le'Veon Bell, and you don't want to use him, or it appears you don't want to use him because you didn't want him. Adam Case, isn't he the best? <laughs> I'm just like, I'm looking at it like, use him. Just use him. Spread him out. You, yo, he pass catcher. He's an above average pass catcher. Yeah. <sighs> I know. You know? I know. So, so I could understand why, and, and folks will be looking at me strange when I say this. I can understand why you like McCarthy because, hey, say what you will with McCarthy with, with Green Bay. Early on, he had that offense wide open. You never knew where Rodgers was going to hit you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he had every he. Uh, I, again, it could be Rodgers, but it, uh, I could also say the system too. He had four viable receivers in that thing. You couldn't just double one of them. Mm-hmm. McCarthy will spread people out. McCarthy will use every weapon he got. You know, he he will impress upon young Mr. Jones. Don't just focus on one guy. According to the play that's called, we will run this play through all of this. Right. You know, so so well, I can understand why you want McCarthy. Even before you give all the reasons, I can understand that. And finally, I will end on this. I know some of these bowl games mean nothing, but what happened in the Kentucky game today that was a bit of a travesty to me. I didn't so, see it. I'll be honest, I didn't see it. Oh, wait, wait. No, no, no. But you'll see the highlights of the quarterback. Okay. Like, literally, like, an hour and a half before a game, starting a fight with the rival team <laughs> on oh the field. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, he comes up, well, I want to apologize mm. to, that isn't why I'm here. This is not what I, dude. Literally on the replay that they showed on ESPN, you had a coach or one of the 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 um the the trainers for Kentucky hold him back. Oh, you could see him full shove him in the chest away from him. I'm sorry, grow up. Yep. <laughs> it's good to talk smack, but he actually punched the dude. I can't. I was. Uh, yeah. Just How did like, I miss that? Yeah, I got to look on Twitter. Uh, y- yeah, you got yeah, you got to see break. it, Miss D. You got to see it. That was it. But to you, to my uh, WFAN family, especially the late night arts, where we're like a brotherhood and a sisterhood up here. You know, happy New Year. Best health to you and yours. And let's continue talking fun sports because the debate is always great. Yeah. Ben, Danielle, thanks, enjoy your morning. Thanks. Mer- Mer- Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, Ben. Thank you. Let's head out back to Queens. Jake, you are on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Happy New Year. You too. 
Um, I just want to talk about the Giants. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could say a lot of things. I'll just start with what you were saying. And um, with McCarthy, they would be lucky. Uh, as lucky as someone who won the lottery to get McCarthy because he's so much – he's better than that org- the Giants organization. And I'm saying that as a Giants fan. Um, and with Gettleman, I, I don't like – I think he's horrible. And I think Ron Rivera and the whole situation with um, him just totally ignoring the Giants and going to the Redskins just shows – as someone who worked with him, mm-hmm. that he doesn't want to, that he doesn't want to work with him. Yeah, you know point. that he knows that he. And who did he get? Cam Newton. How that? How that smart pick worked out for him? I really don't like the Daniel Jones pick. Um, he could have got Daniel Jones in the second, third, fourth round. No one wanted him, and I honestly don't think he's really going to do anything. He he he's very soft, and um, really no one in the NFL. Very little of the time has done nothing in college, mediocre, and just been good in the NFL. Yeah. Well, the fumbles are, are a thing, and Jake, thanks for the call. The fumbles are a thing that could be rectified. I mean, Eli Manning did rectify his fumbleitis um, to a certain extent. Um, and, but everything that I've seen and everything I saw was the fa- was that um, Daniel Jones was not going to be there for the Giants. Um, and that's just what I've read. These uh uh, anonymous sources, you know, I never asked anybody myself because I never had the opportunity to. But everything I read and saw that was said that Daniel Jones wasn't going to be there. John in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, you're on the fan. Coach Danielle, Happy New Year. Good How are you? Good. What's up? Excellent. Hey, and hey, Gettleman, you know, I, I half the problem there or more is he's a good football man. He's got good pedigree and experience. But again, the way you present yourself and the way you come off, I mean, this guy'd be a great politician. He answers these <laughs> questions on and on and says nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what frustrates the media and the fans. Yep. Um, and and he did have a hint of accountability this time around, but it's back to the same point. Uh, some got some good draft picks, no question. I think they have found the quarterback, uh, as he says, <laughs> quarterback with da- <laughs> with Danny with Danny Jones. I think he uh, he's proven that he he definitely is a franchise capable quarterback. They've cleared that controversy with Eli moving on. So that gives the next coach a clear head. Right. Um, he comes off the George Young tree, the George Young tree, Ernie Acorsi, Jerry Reese, mm-hmm. and now and now Gettleman. And as you know, George Young was a great GM, but big ego, tough to work with. He and Parcells clashed. That's famous. Giant fans know that whole thing. The two of them just knew how to work together because they both had their eye on winning. And Parcells says that over and over again. Um, so in this day and age, it's tougher because the media spotlight. Fans know more. We see more. Mm-hmm. So you get underneath it a little bit. But this is a George Young reboot uh, in a lot of ways. Now, whether he has George Young success still remains to be seen. It's still an attractive job, as you said. It's a flagship franchise. It has the brand. Uh, it's more attractive than Dallas because you're, the GM is the owner. And I know his son has done a better job drafting people. But Jerry Jones is in full control, and it's over your shoulder. And Carolina, you're going to be dealing with a Cam Newton issue coming up with yep. whether he's going to stay or be injured, and their controversy is just coming up. And, the and I Giants, think that's going to be a difficult that's right. going to be a difficult thing for the next coach. Right, and the Giants um, don't have that issue. It's Daniel Jones moving forward. That's it. Done. Yeah, they got that. They got the running back, and we can go over in time what what should have happened with that draft or not. But it did work out. He passed over the other quarterbacks, got his running back, and 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 it ended up working out with Daniel, Daniel Jones. So yep. I think they're set there. The defense, as you said, it has to be built. There's going to have to be draft picks. There's going to be free agency. 
I don't think it's going to become the 85 Bears overnight, so <laughs> yeah. we're going to have to be a little patient, but he's got to get it going in that direction. Couldn't agree with you more about the head coach. I totally agree. You need a, a good leader of men, can manage the whole game, the whole franchise. I, lo- I love McCarthy. I think he would be the best choice, but I don't necessarily think it has to be a head coach that is the quarterback whisperer. If I have a coordinator or quarterback's coach that can work with him, right, but I've got a great overall head coach, right. I can deal with that. But McCarthy does, as we the overused term is, we check all the boxes, mm-hmm. um, as Brian Cashman likes to say. But uh, I think McCarthy does check those boxes. He And he has navigated quarterback issues before he had to get from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Correct. Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame, once-in-a-lifetime quarterback, in my opinion. But you still have to develop them. You still have to work with them and, and work that team and that offense around that guy's talent. So he does deserve some credit there regardless. So. It's a proven track record, a Super Bowl winning coach. And again, the issue will be him and Gettleman getting along. But yeah, I, I think if he sees the opportunity and they know they have a good coach, it can be worked out. We've seen it with George Young and Bill Parcells and other, other situations as well. Winning, and thanks for the call, John. Winning fixes everything. And I, real quick, I want to get to you guys before we get to 420 with, with uh, Susan Wallman. Stuart in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. Happy and a healthy New Year to you and you to too. everybody over there at the fan. Danielle, I'd like to speak about the Giants, and uh, I would I do agree that McCarthy would be a good pick for the coach because, like, he does it. He does eventually address things that are wrong. And he has a good head on his shoulders, and he's not going to take nobody's uh, not, no, nobody's uh, guff. I mean, he's a yeah. stand-up guy, and he always gets things done. Sounds like a perfect and fit. That's that's what they need. Yep. And getting to the Yankees, I think. They have to keep an eye on Urshela, see if that was not a fluky season that he had last year. And I would not trade Andujar because Andujar is a valuable piece. He can he can hit. He yep. can flat out hit. And if he would improve his fielding and throwing, then he would be good, uh, good as a backup, maybe as a first baseman, DH, or play third base. And as far as the pitching goes, I don't know who they're going to get. I don't. I have no idea. I've been hearing Josh Hader. But wouldn't that cost a lot of players, yep. a lot of... Uh, That's going to cost you the Andujar or the, the Urshela right then and there. Well, as as and the starting point. I, that's the starting point. There's a lot of other things that might be included, like minor league pitcher. I right. heard Michael King's name, and I don't want to give up on Michael King because he he looks like he can be an up-and-coming talent as a starter or a long man in the bullpen. And, uh, you know, Danielle, it's like this. Uh, they have to... Let's see where it goes. But I don't want Josh Hader because... How many more power arms do you have to put out there in the bullpen? Right. No. I mean, uh, they're set. I, mean, I wish the starters would go deeper. Right. And that's the thing. Dang. That's the whole thing with Aaron Boone and the analytics, Stuart. Thank you. Um, that's the whole thing with Aaron Boone and the analytics. I mean, I reference this all the time, taking Tanaka out in that in that game in the ALCS. They didn't need to do it. Let's head out to Westport, Connecticut. Dwight, you're on the fan. A wonderful show, Dave. Um, happy New Year. You too. Thank you. Uh, um, you bet. I, 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 uh, I'm frustrated by a, what I think of as a crazy habit in the NFL, which is to only have uh, three or four backups to the offensive line, which means that you've always got to play one or two guys who are really too hurt to do their job. Mm-hmm. And and all, all these teams depend upon their offensive line to have a successful year, and I just don't get it. I, mean, I don't know why the, uh, the analytics guys or the, or the macho guys uh, haven't uh, haven't uh, um, changed this habit. I don't get it. 
and uh, I, I just imagine how much it could it could change the outcomes of Jets and Giants games if if they had adequate backups for uh, for every position on the offensive line. Yeah, Dwight, totally agree, and I think that's where the Jets and Giants are both going to head when it gets to draft time. Um, so we have Marco on the update, and we're going to have Susan Waldman right on the other side of that update. Stay tuned, everybody. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the first broadcast of WFAN All Sports 1050. You're sharing a part of radio history with us today. This is the beginning of the first 24-hour-a-day sports station. I'm Susan Waldman, and I'll be right back with the latest WFAN sports update. As we usher in the new year and the new decade, we remember those that we have lost, including a longtime host at this station, Don Imus. And I'm honored to be joined by the first voice ever heard on WFAN radio and current color commentator for our New York Yankees radio broadcast, Susan Waldman. Susan, thanks for joining us tonight. Oh, anytime, Danielle. Probably maybe coming back off a plane when we get in at 4 in the morning. Give me a call. I'll call you from the road, and we'll talk Yankees on the way back from uh, coming back from Anaheim or wherever we are. You got it. I will definitely make that phone call. Okay. Um, so I first let in with, with the Don Imus. Um, I wanted to start with, and I've learned, I don't really, I never met him, but I learned over the past couple of days how integral Imus was to this radio station. You being here since 1987, what were some of your fondest, maybe earliest experiences with Don Imus? Well, I don't know if fond would be a, <laughs> a word I'd use. Um, he was a very interesting man, and I'll say right at the beginning that there is no WFAN uh, without Don Imus. Uh, two things happened at the, in 1988. Uh, the first thing that happened was that NBC was bought by the people that owned uh, WFAN. So two things happened at the same time. NBC ceased to exist, and WFAN took over 660 on the dial. Don't negate that, because we were on 1050, which I can hardly get up here in Westchester. Mm. So now you move 1050, now you're down the dial for a clear channel uh, 50,000-watt station, which you could hear in Toronto. You could hear in... Carolina, you could hear in Florida on certain nights. So that happened at the same time. That's part of the equation that doesn't get talked about. But Don Imus coming over is what set this this whole standard, this this radio station stabilized because of Don Imus. I, I'm under no illusions that uh, the station might not have made it had that not happened. The combination of Imus and, of course, moving down the dial to 660. One of the things I know or I came across was that, you know, I, I was in high school and we went on this field trip and we played with, you know, the sick kids at, at, at um, Hackensack Hospital. And now I came to realize it's the Don Imus building. So that, I think, might be one of the positive things about his legacy. There were some, there were a lot of positive things about, about Don Imus. The Tomorrow's Children's Fund, of course, um, at Hackensack. And I had a lot of experience with Hackensack because um, when I was sick in 1996 and had breast cancer, that is where I went, and I am sure I would not have gotten treated the way I was and, um, you know, gotten there so immediately had it not been for Don Imus, Joel Hollander, of course, who was the general manager of the station, um, uh, eventually, he is the one who got me there, but Imus uh, kind of, everybody's complicated, not everybody is, the, is one thing, um, I, the tributes, and I'm listening to the tributes, and, you know, Don Imus was not a saint. Mm -hmm. And he would tell you that, and he would probably be laughing 
at a lot of the tributes right now. He had a lot of a lot of things that that were not attractive about him. And if he liked you, that was one thing. Um, if he didn't like you, that was a whole other thing. And I fell into that other other category in a lot of a lot of time. You know, he made fun of people. He, I once called him on a couple of things because I was doing overnights at the time, and mm-hmm. then I was doing ten to one. So I saw him on both ends of it. And one time I said, "Why do you keep making fun of me like that? Why do you dismiss me?" And he told me that I had no sense of humor. And I said, I have a great sense of humor. It just doesn't include hurting people. Mm-hmm. I've never really been a fan of that kind of humor. I, I never liked Don Rickles. I don't like people when they make fun of other people because it's not something that, that makes me laugh. You went a little bit back at him. What did he say back to you? <laughs> he walked away. <laughs> I think at the time, maybe if I had been me now, I wouldn't have taken it all so seriously. But at the time, I was trying to do something that hadn't been done before. Right. I was a woman breaking barriers all over sports and on the radio. And if you're dismissed and made fun of by people at your own station, why should anybody else take you seriously? So that was my whole thing. And then there was the other side of the Don Imus, as, as you talked about. You know, the person that got Mike the Mad Dog really on the air, the person who helped Mike Breen, um, the person that helped countless people in, in radio. So nobody is one thing. There's a pendulum that goes back and forth. And I think he could be mean, and I think he could be very cruel to people, but he also so did some amazing things, and his legacy is that Tomorrow's Children's Fund and what he did with the ranch with those kids. I also had to call in. I was on the Bruckner on the way to the, the Triborough uh, on 9-11. I actually saw the second plane go into the tower, and I called in the station because they had moved us all over, and they put me immediately on the air with Imus, and I don't remember a whole lot about the interview except him asking me what kind of a plane it was, and he turned into an interviewer when he heard the panic in my voice and interview me like he did with other people. He had some great interviews over the years. Senator Bill Bradley, I loved the way he would go back and forth with him um, politically and be irreverent enough that it made you laugh, but he was very aware to whom he was speaking. And those kinds of things, that was his genius. And, you know, it all seems, you know what, Danielle, now, all these years, 30 years later, it all seems very gentle. The, the humor. It doesn't seem mean because we've gotten so mean now and so nasty on, on Twitter and every place else that, that you are, and it all seems a little gentle now. We're talking with Susan Waldman, the voice of the New York Radio Yankees. In terms of the, the shock jock, I miss. I mean, one of my lasting memories of him was those Rutgers comments, but all things considered, if you could write a headline for his life and career, what would it be? He was an original and he changed the medium, and I don't know how you can do more than that. There'll never be another. There's, everybody's tried to imitate. There will never be another Don Imus because he was first, he was original, and he changed everything. He really did. And people that try and imitate him have never done a really good job mm-hmm. at it because there was, you know, there was a filter at the beginning. And don't forget, before he was on um, <laughs> 660 with, the, with uh, WFAN, he was on NBC for years. And back then, the Billy Saul Hargis and all the things, those were kind of funny. He once said to me, you know, everybody thinks I'm funny until it's about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that pretty much sums up what he is. Your first update from July 1st, 1987, and yeah. it was about vintage Ron Guidry and the Yankees extending their lead to two games in the AL East. Now, i got to ask you, are the Yankees hoping to create their own vintage in Garrett Cole and not only win the East, but the whole thing this season? Is Garrett well, Cole the well, final piece? <laughs> well, but see, but that's... <laughs> 
<laughs> They're sure hoping so. That pain, I mean, if if there was one thing that was missing, it was it was a, a, a bona fide ace. I mean, the Yankees. You have to think about it, Danielle. They won 106 games with 33 people on the injured list. Yeah. I mean, you don't know. Historic. Could 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 fall down the stairs tomorrow morning and break a leg. <laughs> um, you don't know. That's the great thing about baseball. And I know. And if you're just looking at World Series at the end of it, you're missing a whole year. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's like a soap opera. I mean, every day there's another adventure. Soap operas go slowly. So does baseball, by the way. Yeah. And it goes really slowly. And if you don't think so, ask the Washington Nationals, who were written off many times this year, and were they going to trade half their team, which they never did, and isn't it a good thing that they didn't? They are sure, sure hoping that it is. Garrett Cole, I have known Garrett Cole for a very long time, and was in on that conference call when he was in high school when uh, the Yankees drafted him. And you heard Brian Cashman calls him his white whale. Well, you have to thank both Brian Cashman and Damon Oppenheimer, the scout that drafted Garrett, for keeping in touch with him. Garrett would call his dad to see how he was doing at UCLA. They've kept in touch. I introduced myself to him years ago when he first started, and, you know, he's a special kid. You know, who goes to a press conference when you're a free agent and thanks Marvin Miller and Kurt Flood? Who does that? Right. Nobody that I've ever seen. Right. Um, he is obviously the best pitcher in baseball. He's in his 20s, and it's, <laughs> it's an awfully, awfully good signing. And, and what it gives you is someone that wants the ball every time and isn't going to walk off the mound at five innings and doesn't need to walk the mound in five innings. You know, that sort of puts everybody back. Luis Severino doesn't have to be the ace. He might develop into being one one day, but he isn't right now. And you don't have to put pressure on these guys right now. They can. He goes out and does what he does, and everybody else can fall in behind him. It's an amazing sign. It gives everybody a lot of hope around here. And we're talking with Susan Waldman on WFAN. And Susan, you know, having known him since Garrett Cole since a high, uh, high school age, and then now as a grown man MLB pitcher. What is your impression, I guess, of him and his ability to, quote-unquote, handle New York City? Uh, to me, it sounds like he's embracing it. Oh, he can handle anything. Uh, this, this is a tough kid. He knows who he is. He's not going to be shaken up by booing. He's, he knows exactly who he is and how strong he is. And he knows how good he is. And he also knows that he can get better. And that's a scary thought if you're, you know, hitting, hitting opposite him. He knows he can get better and wants to get better. And what I like, I think, about him is that he's not the kind of guy that's going to blow out because he's going to adjust. He's going to be, he's going to find he's so into the analytics and the biomechanics of all of it that as he gets older, he's going to find out how to do things with less stress. And that's what most of this is. A lot of this is how to get the best out of your arm with limited stress on it so that you don't blow out. And I, I think he's going to age very well. I don't think he's going to have to throw 98 any, you know, as he gets older because he can do other kinds of things. And as far as handling New York, I think a lot of it is overblown. You know, Jeff Nelson once said to me, you know, I, I get it now. And I said, what? And he said, you know, they're not booing me. They're booing what I did. So if I go out and get them out tomorrow, then they're going to cheer me, right? And I said, you got it. <laughs> and that's, and if you can do that and not take it personally, they're not booing you personally. People pay money and a lot of money to go watch the Yankees. Buck Showalter said they don't come to watch the Yankees play. They come to watch the Yankees win. And when they, when you have that attitude, you're not doing your job. I paid money for this ticket, and I want you to win. Of course, it's unrealistic. Yeah. But I think the people that succeed here absolutely get it. Since it's New Year's, what would be your New Year's resolution for these New York Yankees in 2020? <laughs> 
I don't give resolutions because people break resolutions and it's silly. Mm. I mean, it's all, how long do your resolutions last? What you're hope for the Yankees? Just go out and do what you can do. This team is going to be is going to be very good. There are other very very good teams also too, mm. but you know you can't win the World Series on New Year's. One thing that I want everybody to remember: if the team doesn't get off to a good start, there's no reason why they wouldn't. I mean, I think we opened in Baltimore. Oh my goodness, how yeah. much? You know, better can you get than that. I think what you have to really realize is that one of the things the Yankees do, if this doesn't work out, in June there might be a whole new team here. And just forget, don't, don't forget that. Don't forget what Brian Cashman does. He saves bullets. You know, he's not done. You're not done on December. You don't go in and say, okay, that's it. See you in October. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That isn't what you do around here. You well, find out what works and what doesn't. And then in June, if there's something that needs to be fixed, they'll fix it. So here's the thing. I've seen the name Josh Hader. I'm putting him on pause at least till June because, hear me out. I mean, the Brewers, they're going to be looking for a third baseman. And quite frankly, in my opinion, the Yankees don't really know what they have at third base because, you know, is it going to be Andujar? Is it going to be Urshela? Who's it going to be? No, it's going to be Urshela. It's his job to to lose. The Yankees have a third baseman. He's one of the best in the league. I don't think you get Josh Hader, who's 25 years old, for a guy who has a blown labrum. Labrum tears are very, very tricky, and they're very, very hard to, you know, he's, he's, we've seen pictures of Andujar working out and all that. A torn labrum is very tough. It's very tough to come back from, and it's very tough to be the same. You don't know what he is going to be. If he's okay, he could, and my partner, John Sterling, thinks he's one of the best hitters he's ever seen. He doesn't want him traded off this team. He wants to try him at first base. He says, let's try him in left field. Let's try all kinds of things. Your third baseman is Urshela unless he you know, can't handle it. And he's, he's really good, and if he's not there, they'll figure something out. But and do, I don't think you get a top-flight 25-year-old reliever for a guy who's got a torn shoulder. My question, then, I guess, would be then, you seem very sold on Urshela, and I checked out numbers. I'm a stats person. I checked out his numbers, his career. He put up career numbers in like a lot of different offensive categories. Do you think mm-hmm. he can sustain that? For this season? See, that's the great thing about stats, and you and I will have to get into this. But yeah. You have to watch. He, he totally redid his stance. When the Yankees got him, they sent him to AAA Scranton, and he ran into the AAA pitching coach whose name is Phil Plantier. And Phil Plantier said to him, among other things, you are not using your bottom half. So he changed his stance, and he started to hit. And he started to hit with power. And I also went and asked Frankie Lindor, who's like his brother, because they came up together mm-hmm. in the Cleveland organization. And I said, what is this? And he said, you know, he always could hit in the minor league, but there was a point in the minor leagues where he realized that he was blocked. I was at shortstop, and Ramirez was coming up, and he was going to be the second baseman, and Kipnis was there, and he knew that he was going to be a defensive guy. So he never really worked on his offense the way he, you know, should have because he thought he was blocked, and he was going to be a defensive guy. I mean, he might not hit 330, but I don't think you can say that he's going to have a drop-off. This is a totally different hitter who revamped everything that he did. You can look at the stats going back forever. No, he didn't hit. Go way back whenever it was that he said, I'm only going to be a defensive guy. Those are the kinds of things that you can't get with stats. Yeah, and those are the kinds of insights you can't get without having you. This is very valuable. Thank you. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, And I guess my final question, just in the closing here, Didi Gregorius. I mean, the Yankees, in my opinion, I mean, they're not going to be having a total drop-off in defensive production, but his consistent left-handed bat, that's going to be missing. And, And how do the Yankees look to overcome that? Well, I, I think that one thing, and I was very sorry that Didi's that not here, but yeah. um, they seem to have an awful lot of 
faith in Glaber Torres. Now, mm-hmm. one of the things that we do know, and Glaber would be the first to tell you, that sometimes he has focus problems. Sometimes he, he tries to be too cool, and then you see him shaking his head like, no, I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Dee helped him with that, and Dee was part of that. I think Dee was a great stabling influence on this team. Last year, obviously, they won 100 and whatever games it was without yeah. Dee for most of it, and I think he came back too soon. I think after Tommy John, he tried to do too much, which is why he really couldn't do anything. I would not be surprised if they got a left-handed bat somewhere. Yeah. You got a long way to go. If they think their 23-year-old wunderkind, Glaber Torres, can play shortstop, and Aaron Boone assures me that they have an awful lot of faith in him, then maybe you do move on. Hal Steinbrenner had said, we've got kids coming in the minor leagues. I don't, you know, I, I pay attention when we get to spring training, but usually not what's in the papers, because that's just numbers. I want to see somebody play for us. If Didi had played all last year and then left, I would have been a little more upset about it. I'm glad for him. He's going to a place where they need him. But don't forget also, Didi Gregorius is going to be 32 years old. So if you sign him to a deal, you're not going to re-sign him to a long-term deal after this year because he'll be 33. Mm -hmm. So you're going to move on anyway. You might as well pull the cord now, see what you've got in Glaber. And if it doesn't work, it's always hard to see people walk out the door. It really is. He's one of my very favorites of all time. He's a renaissance man. He's an artist. Always got a smile on his face. And even when he started off badly, never said anything about replacing Jeter. He adored Jeter. Used to draw pictures of him. I understand. I'm sure Joe Girardi is going to take great care of him. And I well, Susan, you're entering, is it your 15th season in the booth with John no, Sterling? No, this is 16. 16. <laughs> my God. Before altogether, at 16 with John Sterling. Time flies, right? Amazing. Well, so 34 years ago, when I started on FAN, were you born? No, I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's what I figured, yeah. <laughs> well, Susan Waldman, an icon in New York radio and with our Yankees, thanks so much for joining us. I'm McCartney After Midnight, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Daniel. And, of course, Susan Waldman, the icon, one of the icons here at WFAN and on the Yankees radio broadcast. Uh, we still have lots of calls on deck, 877-337-6666. This has been very Giants-dominant this season. Um we could talk about, of course, my qualifications more in depth of who should be the Giants head coach. I'll give you my three suggestions, my preliminary suggestions. Let's, this is not, you know, set in stone, but I do have lots of information to back up both. So it might as well be set in stone. And I'm going to let you know the one team I will not want to play in the NFL playoffs this season. After the break, here's Marco Belletti with the update. Hey, Nets fans, our first box office blitz of 2020 is tomorrow with hourly giveaways from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. to see the Nets in Oklahoma City on Tuesday, January 7th at the Barclays Center. So keep your radio locked in to win exclusively on your flagship station for Brooklyn Nets basketball. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. And good morning, everybody. I am back on 101.9 FM, 660 AM. I'm Daniel McCartan. After midnight, probably Daniel McCartan in the morning at this point in time. Um, we are on the we're in the first day of the new year, January 1st, 2020. And the biggest story uh, of the past week, a couple days even, is that the Giants head coach's position is vacant. It's open. And this time, all hands are on deck for the decision to select the new Giants coach. You got John Mara involved. You're going to have Steve Tisch more involved than ever. And the retained 
GM Gettleman. And we've taken phone calls in favor of Gettleman, against Gettleman, and that's what makes this very, very difficult. Is he the guy or is he not the guy? We don't know. But the Giants are looking for a guy that can manage the whole team, a leader, and please, gurus need not apply. As we all know, there's only room for one guru in New York. And he, 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 he plays for the green team, or he coaches the green team. Kevin in Fresh Meadows, thanks for holding on. You're on the fan. Hey, Danielle, how are you tonight? I'm Happy good. New Year. You too. All right, so I'm a Cowboy fan. I don't really understand how these Giant fans complain about Gettleman. He drafted them uh, a future uh, quarterback that's going to be very good. He drafted them Saquon Barkley. And as a Cowboy fan, I would trade you Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott for those two guys in a heartbeat. And give me Gettleman. I'll give you everyone else in the Cowboy organization because I have faith in none of them. The other thing is, I do not want McCarthy as a coach in New York. According to Aaron Rodgers, this guy can't handle the press in Green Bay. How is he going to stand up to the press in New York City? Mm. I don't understand. Like, the, the Giants fans, I realize they need an offensive line. They need to work on their defense. But I just feel like Gettleman has the tools. I think, I just think he can do a good job if given the time. And I know in New York City and New Jersey, nobody wants to give the amount of time that might be needed. And I just right. want to uh, know what you think about yeah, that. Yeah, I just, I have one question for you. Like, I, you know, like, how do you say it? It's like, like uh, Aaron Rodgers and and Mike McCarthy. Let's just say they're in a relationship, right? They break up. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to have good things to say about Mike McCarthy? No, but I think, I think that's one of the reasons why they got rid of McCarthy and not Aaron Rodgers, right? Isn't the big thing that, um, Belichick wanted to trade Brady, and the owner said, no, you got to trade Garoppolo. And Belichick was supposedly very unhappy about that. And that led to the rumors about Belichick possibly coming to the Giants this year. I mean, I know that's more like National Examiner as opposed to uh, New, uh, the New York Post. Yeah. But um, these things happen. You know, if they get rid of the coach and they keep the quarterback, sometimes it's for a reason, you know? Yeah, but and then and here's what I want to tell you, and I'm gonna let you go. But another criticism of Mike McCarthy was the relationship with Aaron Rodgers. And in preparation for tonight, I came across a quote from Aaron Rodgers, and I'll read it to you. It says, "I love Mike McCarthy. Mike has been a huge part of my success in my career, and I've had some amazing moments on and off the field with Mike. We've had issues, no doubt. Any long relationship has issues, but the way we dealt with those issues, Mike and I, was face to face. I kind of like that." All right, Kevin, I, I, we lost you. I was hoping, waiting for a response there. I kind of like that, what Aaron Rodgers has to say about him, despite the tumultuous relationship. Oh, and by the way, the Super Bowl win. Eric, Ron Konkuma, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle, happy New Year. You too. Uh, I'm impressed you got Susan Waldman up at 4 in the morning there. That's, uh, <laughs> She's the know, best, isn't she? Uh, yeah, I, well, I, you know what? She She's going to take you up on that uh, calling back from San Diego or wherever. Oh, you know what? Post, I already looked yeah. it up. It's uh, going to be May 31st. That's when they come home from the Angels. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Well, so. all right. So that, uh, keep your cell phone there. That's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a couple a couple things I, I found interesting on that. Uh, I, I can I can definitely uh, agree with what she's saying about the, the labrum because right? I had a torn labrum in my left shoulder done 10 years ago. And it still barks every now and then. Mm-hmm. 
I'm quite a bit older, um, 49, you know, but the, the fact of the matter is it's still, you know, and I, 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 uh, use my arms quite a bit with what, with, uh, what I'm working with. So I, I can certainly understand that mode of thinking though, with the potential, you know, not, not getting back to where you're supposed to be mm-hmm. on air. Um, the other thing too, Garrett Cole, you know, and, and I'm saying this as a Met fan. I mean, I could certainly, I don't think he's going to have any problem whatsoever being on the Yankees. I mean, he grew up a Yankee fan. You know, if you're a fan of the team, you know what's involved with the team on there. You know, it's not it's not like when Randy Johnson came over on there and, and like right off the bat he had issues with the with the media. Right. I think he had some paparazzi follow him. You know, you're you're a fan of the team, you know what to expect from, you know, the fans and the team and the environment and all that. That's so a good I don't point. think he's gonna have any any problems at all yeah. on there. Yeah, so good point. Um yeah, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, you know, yeah, like I said, Happy New Year. Be safe getting home. You know, there's, there's a lot of interesting people out here right yeah, now I know. on the road. There was so one on the way here. There. <laughs> there was one on the way here. Uh, I, had to, I had to make a phone call to a local oh. police department, actually. Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. So. I, didn't, I did anyway, my civic duty, though. Next time you're on, Danielle. <laughs> All right, thanks, Eric. I appreciate yep. it. Uh, yeah, I did my civic duty earlier tonight. Um, you know what? You just, if you're thinking about getting behind the car right now, uh, behind the wheel of the car. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Justin in Westchester, you're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Nice job with the interview with Susan. That was pretty good. Uh, thank you. Um, the Giants, <clears throat> I'm actually shocked that Shermer got fired and Gettleman didn't. It kind of it seems like they're in no man's land right now. Yeah, they, doesn't it? You know, it, it really does. And it, it I, I don't see anybody out there that is going to make this whole without firing Gettleman and starting all over again. I still think North Turner would be a great option to bring in as an offensive coordinator. I just don't know, you know, who you would match him up with. Um, I would think Gettleman has a relationship with him, um, but I don't know that I want to see North Turner as the head coach. Yeah, I definitely don't. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, my um, thing is, I was thinking about this too, and it just came to my mind as you were talking. So say, I mean, my front runner right now is Mike McCarthy, right? So say Mike McCarthy wants to have some say in his personnel. What about a situation where maybe Mike McCarthy and Dave Gettleman, and, you know, Dave Gettleman preached this whole idea of team and collaboration. Wh- why would that be a bad thing? Like, you know what I mean? Like, why, why would that be a bad thing? If they're on the same page, it would not be a bad thing. I, I, I would think that, you know, one would have to coalesce, or <clears throat> maybe I'm using the wrong word, maybe the coach would have to acquiesce to the general manager or vice versa. But right. if he brings in, you know, Mike McCarthy, I just don't feel good about Mike McCarthy in general. Um, you know, I, I question what went on in Green Bay and why they couldn't win. And you've got Aaron Rodgers and, you know, I mean, they won their Super Bowl because they had Charles Woodson straighten out that defense and Don Capers. But, you know, I, I don't know. He just doesn't give me the warm fuzzies if, he, if Mike McCarthy comes here. Now, if they're on the same page and that's his guy and that's who he really wants, then why didn't he bring him in already? You know, yeah. that's that's the I mean, one, that's the question that I would have about that. I, I, you know, it seems like he's got his staff ready to go. That Mike McCarthy, he does. Been, you know, yes. doing his diligence as far as keeping up with Trends. what goes on. Yep. The other thing that that kind of scares me is somebody brought it up today. Um, you know. Um, analytics in football, and you know how I feel about analytics in baseball. It just drives me nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if, you know, I, I don't perceive Gettleman to be an analytics guy. Not at all. So I'm, 
you know, I don't know if that's where the league is going. You know, you have to be able to coach these players. They have to, you know, they have talent, but if they, if you can't coach them, you know, they have to have discipline and be able to be coached. So the talent is only going to take them so far. You could draft all the Saquon Barkley's in the world. Now he's an exception because I think he's a coachable player. I think he's a team guy, but you know, bringing in somebody that's going to, you know, discipline these guys, not necessarily be their best friend, but allow them some, you know, some rope. But, you know, they've got to fall in line. They've all got to buy into the program. How do you get them to buy in? All those things have to come, have to come together. And I just don't see that happening with Gettleman and McCarthy. Mm, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 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 go I ahead. could be wrong. Yeah. I mean, nobody knows. That's, that's the thing. Justin, thanks for the call. Nobody knows. We are playing GM ourselves here. Nobody knows how this is going to work out. Nobody knows what Dave Gettleman is behind closed doors and how he acts and how he behaves. And nobody knows what Mike McCarthy's about. He hasn't been in the league in a year. I'm just going off resumes and track records because I think that's important. I got a tweet from Avery, and he said, um, but to the current caller, which was two callers ago, if you are winning games, you don't have to stand up to the New York press. Hashtag winning fixes everything. And man, Giants fans would be happy to uh, to get a couple more wins, let's just say, than they have in any past year, uh, because it, it has been dire for the for New York Giants. Mike in East Rockaway, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Danielle. How are you? Happy New happy, Year. Happy New Year. And uh, it's funny. I googled you about three weeks ago. Just wanted to see you know, what, what came, your resume was. What came right? up? <laughs> Uh, no, nice interview with Mike and nice interview with Boomer. Yeah. And I looked at you, you look like my you look like my godchild, Daniela from oh. Suffolk County. Okay. <laughs> so, you know. But uh I just tuned in for the last half hour or so and yeah. I'll tell you, as a longtime Jet fan and Met fan, long time, okay, I'm not a fair weather fan. You gotta too many people, you know, switch and, and go with the front runners. Yeah. Gettleman, here's my take on Gettleman. Uh I mentioned on yesterday's show, you know. Uh, with JJ, mm-hmm. if you're going to get rid of the coach, which was just a matter of time, uh, why keep Gettleman? Gettleman is like a control freak. Uh, I saw him when he was at a press conference. He's on the podium. He, he's glaring at the reporters, like daring them to ask a question. And it's interesting with Ron Rivera, you know, and I'm glad he signed on with the Redskins. Uh, good coach. You know, there was a little friction in Carolina with Gettleman and, and Rivera, and I'm sure – you know, where was he during the losing streak of the Giants nine games in a row? Yep. He was nowhere to be found. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, he's abrasive like sandpaper, you know? Did you see him uh, give the, the, the stiff arm to one of the reporters today? Did you see that, <laughs> Did you see that move? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. And like you said, too, which is a great expression I was going to use, he comes across like a GM guru. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not approachable. You can't ask me a question and this and that. But come on. Hey, he's lucky to have his job. And I hope in my 65 years, Danielle, I've never seen it when uh, Woody Johnson fired the GM, the the, uh, offensive and defensive coordinator, and you keep uh, uh, Rex Ryan? Really? You know, that's that's a maneuver that I've never seen. But then again, with the Jets, you know, my my line is you have to expect the unexpected. Oh, yes. Uh, All right, Danielle, you're up against the – the update, yep. always a pleasure, and hope to uh, hear you again soon on the radio. Mike, thank you, and I'm going to be on. My next time is going to be, what, uh, my regular time slot, Saturday night into Sunday, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m., so hope you'll call back then. Um, where was I going to go with that? 
I forgot where I was going to go with that. I, I just got distracted by something on TV. Oh, my God. Um, oh, yeah, guru. Oh, yeah, he used the word guru. Uh, I can't. I just wish that, that that word could be just nixed from vocabulary forever here in New York sports radio, the guru. Um, Nick on Twitter says, as I understand it, McCarthy wants more power in the head coach position than Gettleman would want to give. Don't think he's an option. However, these candidates we are hearing are untested or inexperienced as head coaches. Not the way to go when given the state of the team. Absolutely agree on that. Um, and if that's the case, I mean, Dave Gettleman might have to give up some of this this control, this control freakness. Oh, and I, oh yeah, I know what I wanted to say. He did not actually stiff arm a reporter. I just want to clarify that. He actually, what happened was, you know, because he hasn't addressed the media since, I don't know, August, right? And it, there were a barrage of questions. I was, I literally made popcorn and I was listening to it at my computer uh, on the, on the app. And so what he did was they were, everybody's asking him questions, question, question, because obviously people need to hear from him. And he was looking one way and there was a reporter to his left and whoever it was, I don't know. Cause it, you couldn't even make out the voices. That's how many people were, were shouting at him at the same time. He put his hand up as if to quiet whoever that was. I don't know if I like that move. I mean, the more, maybe that's the reason why he's been in hiding. The more you hear about with him and see him, you know, the less you like him. Obviously, more your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. We're going to hit the 5 a.m. reset. I am Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Good morning, everybody. It is January 1st. It is New Year's Day. Marco and I were just watching on TV and commenting on the people in Times Square. He does not, he has no interest in doing it. I would like to do it just once, just to say I did it. It looks just so fun with all the concerts and all the confetti. And on the way in this morning, I actually did try to uh, drive through Times Square, believe it or not. And I got kind of close, actually. I really did. I saw the excitement and I felt the excitement. Like that's something you just can't quantify. So one time in my life, I would like to do it. Um, and then I came down here and parked and, and right out front and here we go. Um, we are at five o'clock is McCartan in the morning at this point in time. And I've teased it all night and I forgot to do it. I'm sorry. But the one team that I would not want to play in the tw- 2019 playoffs, because obviously our Jets and our Giants are not in the playoffs. The single team that scares me this wild card weekend. That's why it's called the wild card. You know, the Tennessee Titans. I mean, this game, and I'll get to your calls in a second, 877-337-6666, but real quickly, because I teased it and never followed it up, the Tennessee Titans scare me because the Patriots are coming off of a stunning, dare I say, historic in terms of point spread lost in Miami Dolphins, and that's one in which Tom Brady threw a rare pick six. And Oh, and by the way, the Tennessee Titans have the quarterback with the highest regular season rating in the entire NFL without Adam Gaze, <clears throat> and he's making his first playoff start, He's a, but he's a career 4-7 and seven versus the New England Patriots. And the Titans also have, by the way, the NFL's leading rusher in terms of yardage in Derrick Henry. So I, if I'm a betting person, I would stay away from that Titans-Patriots uh, game because I think the Titans would be sneaky, sneaky good. And I also think my second little upset pick, the Bills. Bills look good. 
And I don't think uh, Josh Allen would be in over his head. But we are not talking about playoff football with our Jets and our Giants. We are talking about coaching changes in particular for the Giants and uh, basically disgruntled players for the Jets. Uh, I'll put it out there. Disgruntled players. Le'Veon Bell is disgruntled. He's not going to come out and say it, although he's sort of kind of said it. Le'Veon Bell is disgruntled because his coach doesn't know how to use him. And the Giants, well, they're still looking for a coach. And they've got some options and some some qualifications that I think um, need to be. I think the Giants need to have a coach that's a full team manager, will give up play calling, an offensive-minded dude with experience working with and developing a quarterback, and a winning pedigree. And for me, it's Mike McCarthy. Steve, in Saratoga Springs, you're on the fan. Oh, happy new year. You too. Just just got back from a Roaring Twenties party. Oh, cool! Wearing a tuxedo. A oh, that's really cool. I love theme parties. Yeah. I like it. Good yeah. idea. Yeah, it was it was great. So you know, two trades that happened this year that really upset me, frustrate me. One, of course, is I'm upset that Odell Beckham's not on the team anymore, and I don't know if they got. Good value for him. But the other one, of well, course, peppers, is peppers. I mean, first of all, one second. What's it called? Odell Beckham Jr. is is a talented player, but I think Peppers, you know, among other things, I think I think he's not that terrible. I think it's an okay trade. Yeah, to me, Beckham is. He re, he reminded me. Uh, he's such an exciting player. Not since LT have we had something yeah. like that. But yeah. and then the other one. Porzingis, I yeah. mean, that's got to be the bust of the century. I know. I, talk about the decade. What about the century? I mean, yeah. I mean, what did they get back in return for him? Like nothing. nothing. And the fact that they didn't even, I mean, I heard that there were teams that were like, wait a minute, we didn't even know he was available. We could have given you X, Y, and Z. The Knicks didn't even do the dil- that diligence. True? That's what I heard. I don't oh like to feel, bo- or feel worse, but that that's what I, I heard. Know, I mean, we're going to get, uh, a first round draft pick, but big deal. Dallas is doing well. Mm-hmm. So, in in basketball, if you don't get in, you know in the top seven, doesn't mean anything. Yep, I know. So, yep. I, total bust, ridiculous. Imagine if they had him, the Knicks would be so much better. Well, they would win but, a couple more games. <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and I really believe you still need a point guard. They still need a point guard, but if they had Porzingis. I really believe that they would have been in much better shape to get Durant and um, Kyrie Irving. What's his name? Ty- Tyree. I really believe that. I think I think Durant wanted to go to the Knicks if they had Porzingis. I mean, I just can't understand the rationale. Yeah, I, I mean, understand it. I but, sometimes you know. there is no rationale. Sometimes it just is what it is. Yeah. Well, you have a great night. Thank you very much. Great show. Yeah, Steve, thank you. Yeah, sometimes you just can't rationalize things that have no rationalization. Christoph's Porzingis, and they got nothing. They got nothing. Pretty much nothing for him. And yes, I did hear that there were teams that did not even know he was available. They would then they say, Well, we could have offered you blah blah blah, XYZ. And the Knicks didn't even do the deal diligence. Do their due diligence. Dobbs Ferry. Sparky, you're on the fan. First of all, Danielle, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. And your interview with Susan Waldman was superb. Thank you. Okay, I have two comments pertaining to Susan. Yeah. One, 
she's the person who has the best way of deciding for players a baseball hall of famer. She would say like this, if you have to think about it, they're not. Yeah. I like that. That's okay. True. And when, when, when you were interviewing her, she brought up nine eleven. Mm-hmm. Now, what was unique is at the end of that year, end of that month, the Orioles came in. It was Cal. You knew it was Cal Ripken's last trip to the stadium, and, and Cal was my favorite opposing player. Mm-hmm. And you know, I went to the Saturday afternoon game. Susan Waldman sang the national anthem. I saw with, that on YouTube. Crazy, yep. yeah. And and uh, they you know without the musical accompaniment. And she was tremendous. It was it was amazing. She had some Broadway experience, though. I think I read right. Yes, yeah. yes, she was a Broadway. That's why I'm glad that you admire her because she's somebody that's good for you to look up to. Yeah, she's uh, certainly an icon, and I appreciate that, Sparky. Thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I mean Susan, she's been blazing trails before people even knew there were trails to be blazed. I mean, 1987. And then I think, was she the first or maybe the second color commentator? I think second uh, color commentator woman, but then for a professional sport, I think she was first is what I think I read. In any event, I mean, she was doing things before before they were even open. I mean, before the locker rooms and clubhouses were even open to women, Susan Waldman was ready to go and, and ready to be to be catcalled and everything. I mean, that's just... The experience, and I would love to talk to her about that in a separate medium, which is another little something I'm working on, and uh, I'll announce it when I am ready, and if if uh, if they'll let me do it. Devin in Valley College, you're on the fan. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Happy New Year. So, first time that I've heard you. Yeah. You're great. It's amazing. Thank you. Um, <laughs> now, now, real question, right? Yeah. What if Gase doesn't perform next year what happens do we keep him or well, he should have if you're new to the show he should have been gone at that after they lost not only I'm to the sure. dolphins but to the the Bengals. that's the most disappointing one to me so for I'm me optimistic. what you're optimistic. optimistic yeah i try to be i have to be is what else i could do yeah well if the jets start off bad next year like let's say i don't know what their schedule is because it hasn't come out yet but let's just say oh and three you got to give them the hook Make your defensive coordinator your head coach, and that's an easy, seamless fix. I mean, he's clearly shown that he has. No, he has it. Not Gase. Not Gase. Um, yeah, Williams. Yeah. Yes. Yep. It's clearly shown. I mean, um, when you look at that game and you have Le'Veon Bell and him, like, you know, he's pumping Le'Veon Bell up. I mean, he doesn't even work with Le'Veon Bell, and he's pumping him up on the sidelines. And where's Adam Gase? Nowhere. Nowhere to be found. God, man. Gase kills me like... When when Manish asked him <laughs> about the right, burner so account, yeah, what? That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't even know what burner account is. Or what? Would I, how do you know? He he walked off the stage. Is what happened. He walked. He literally walked off the stage, and that's how he ended his end of the season press conference. Come on, unbelievable. Thank you so much. Yeah, Devin. Thanks. I'm glad we're on the same wavelength about uh, Adam Gase. Because you are a grown adult, and someone asks you a question that you don't like, and you're just going to go and pout and just walk off the stage, that's the lasting impression that you're going to leave on on Giants fans? I mean, the Jets fans? You walking off the stage because you didn't like the question?
Talk about Mike McCarthy. You think not being able to handle the New York media? How about Adam Gase? I mean, he is so insecure, Adam Gase. First, his first press conference, you saw the little gifs that were being created of his likeness. Ever since then, every single time he's worn a hat and he keeps his head, his eyes averted from everybody. I mean, really? I see you were so insecure about what people were saying about your looks. I get it. Okay, fine. But then when people were saying what he did and didn't do with um, Le'Veon Bell, how he didn't use him against the worst running defense in the league in the Bengals, and his team didn't find the red zone offense, he used him uh, so much the next game. I mean, it's just, who, who, who's coaching this team? Who's pulling the strings? Because Adam Gase is not pulling the right ones, in my opinion. And there's some Twitter trolls. Maybe maybe I've been interacting with Adam Gase on Twitter. I don't know. I don't know because there's been people that in support of him that I just I can't get behind. I just I don't understand. Oh, Adam Gase is like a hot button topic. It always gets me worked up. All right. Well, I am Daniel McCartan on the fan eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I will get to more of your calls on the other side of this break. And here is Amy Lawrence with a sports minute. Get all your NFL football right here on The Fan, beginning with Wild Card Weekend, Saturday. Our coverage begins at 4 p.m. as the Texans host the Bills, followed by the Patriots and Titans. Sunday, it all gets underway at 12.30 as the Saints host the Vikings, followed by the Seahawks and Eagles. Two days, two big doubleheaders, here on your flagship station for NFL football. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and W. WFAN-FM, New York. Good morning, everybody, and happy New Year. It is January 1st, 523 a.m., right here in lower Manhattan. I am Daniel McCartan, and we are rolling till 6 a.m., and then Richard Neer will be on at 6. Um, so I opened the program with, as you know by now, um, you know, song interludes for each and every one of the topics I'm setting up. So I set the table tonight with, Florida Georgia Line and BB Rexa, if you know, meant to be, it's called. If it's meant to be, it'll be, it'll be. So happy, healthy New Year for everybody, by the way. Um, and you know the the bottom line is the NFL is a winning business, and a nine and twenty three record over two seasons just doesn't cut it in the New York minute. So now my New Year's resolution for the New York Giants, because I went around to the Giants, Jets, Yankees, and Mets, and the one for the Giants was, I just. For, I just hope that they find some stability in what has been one of the most tumultuous decades in all of its storied history. The the candidates are a fluid situation. Um, there's like seven or eight of them lined up. For me, it's going to be between Mike McCarthy or Matt Rule. Um, I hope they go Mike McCarthy. Um, I don't know. I just think that the Giants are in a situation where they they can't mess up. They can't screw this up. You know, as always, but th- this one more than ever because you've got talent on this team that's going to have to get paid sooner or later or traded. I mean, this this is it. Get a defense in there. I mean, the Di- Giants' defensive rankings were uh, among the worst in the league in all the major statistical categories. So, you know, I just think it's time. I think it's time for the Giants to to put a defense on the field and see what happens. And for me, I'm kind of sorry that Pat Shermer went, actually, because there are a number of different reasons why I think he should have stayed, most importantly being the development of Daniel Jones. I mean, Daniel Jones was the best rookie quarterback this season. And doing so for being sacked 38 times in 13 games, ninth most in the NFL. 
I mean, he was under siege. So give him a line, give him a defense, see what happens. I think the Giants are a lot closer than people think they are. They just need to get the, the right guy in there. Let's go to Nyack, New York. Pat, you're on the fan. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Pat? I think it's amazing you're teaching and doing this at the same time. It's, uh, it's a lot, but uh, I'm getting it done. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I couldn't believe it when I read that. But, um, yeah, pretty much um, totally you stole my thunder with the – I think the Giants had to get Mike McCarthy. And, you know, you talk about the Jets. Jets should have taken – should have hired him. Yes, they should have. he would have come in there, been an adult in the room. Yeah. And I think he would have really straightened things out. Yep. I agree. That's it, Pat? Yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. Okay. I mean, exactly, because, um, um, and, and, you know, really interesting, you're talking about Greg Williams. What if, uh, what if he gets an interview and goes somewhere? Well, that's I the... I see him going to Cleveland or someplace. That's the fear, because, it, you know, Defensive Coordinator of the Year Award has only been around since 2014, but if he were to win that, which, with all the injuries and everything, and they still perform the way they did, I think he's a leading candidate for it. Four out of those five guys have gone on to head coaching jobs immediately afterwards. So that is a big fear. Uh, among for me and, and for Jets fans, I, I would think, yeah, that, that's always a possibility. Well, you know, that's why I think the Giants hired um, before Shermer. Um, McAdoo. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, because I think they were afraid they, they were afraid somebody else was going to grab them. So they said they moved Jot. You know, they sort of expedited the uh, you know sending Tom out to the pasture, and you know, yeah, and and look and look where that caught them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. I know. Yeah. All right, Pat, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Let's head out to Manhattan and Vernon. You're on the fan. Hey, Daniel. How you doing? I'm good. How are you, Vernon? I'm doing good. Daniel, I got a dilemma here, and I want you to help me out. Okay. I'm going to bet my Peter Alonzo rookie card oh, on no. that fan yeah. against my friend's uh, rookie card of Aaron Judge. Okay. And here's the bet. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? Tell me who's going to win, and I'm going to put up my Pete Alonzo rookie card. I need your help. Oh, no. There's going to be no retributions, right? I mean, this is uh, – <laughs> I don't want the mob coming after me or something, Vernon. No, this is just me. Uh, I have to go with the leading MVP candidate, Lamar Jackson, my leading candidate for Coach of the Year in Harbaugh. I like the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, that sounds good. I'm putting my bet up. Oh, Thank no. you, and have a nice day. Call back, Vernon, because I want to see how that, that ended up going for you. Please call back. Okay, <laughs> bye. Bye. Oh, no, I hope he doesn't come after me if, if I'm wrong. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, I, I, I think it's, it's going to be the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, they have a great defense that changes up the scheme to fit the team that they're playing. See, that blows my mind. How, as a high school coach, I'm like changing my game plan to fit the team that I'm playing where in the NFL, coaches don't do that. When I, I heard Phil Simms say that once, and I was like, are you kidding me? That that blows my mind. Mike in New Jersey, you're on the fan. Uh, you know, good morning, Danielle. You're great. Thank you. Appreciate it. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. I'm not a Giant fan. I'm a Dolphin Redskins fan. I'm like misery. <laughs> but now you're hearing that all of a sudden Bob Tisch is going to come from California like the guy on the white horse and save the Giants. Oh my all God. these years, Mara runs it from New York. Yep. Tisch is in California. Wait a minute. How's that going to work? When is the explosion going to come? I, and, and I've been listening to you about Gettleman. I don't like his attitude at all. Yeah. It's terrible. No wonder Who why we haven't seen him. he is? Yeah, no one... He works for the Giants, but yet, and he's arrogant. And he doesn't like, I don't have to talk to you. Yes, you do. Yeah. You should have taken a walk off the plank when they got rid of Schumann. 
That's only what I feel. I think Gettleman's a, not going to, he's hard to get along with. Yeah. And that's probably why we haven't seen him. Uh, Mike, thanks for the call. That I mean, like I said before, you don't, if you don't interact with him, you don't, you don't get it. You know, you don't see it. And then once he gets behind a microphone and he, you know, gives a little stiff arm to the, the reporter and, you know, it, you could tell when he was reading prepared statements and that that's probably why you don't see him. I'll be honest. And, and people are still split. I think if I took a poll right now, maybe I'll put one up at coach McCartan on Twitter, M C C A R T A N. Yeah. I'll do that on a break. Do you think that, um, sure. Uh, Gettleman should have gone out the door with Shermer. And I would venture to guess that it should be about, my estimation would be, 50-50. That's what I think. I think it would be a 50-50 split. So because Gettleman has done a great job in the draft, I'm going to use the word great, he's done a great job in the draft. However, in paying Eli Manning to come back all that money for three games, two games, was not worth it. Um, and, and I hate to be like that. I hate to say it like that. Um, but... If you look at it from a business standpoint, it wasn't worth it. And, and you know, the Leonard Williams trade was head-scratching. I think the Jets won that trade, to be honest. And I think the Jets are actually in a better position with their new GM than the Giants are in with Dave Gettleman. And we do these comparisons all the time, you know. And uh, unfortunately, that's that's or, or fortunately, that's the market we live in. We have two NFL teams. We like to compare them. Kevin in Mount Arlington, you're on the fan. How you doing, Danielle? Happy oh, New Year. Me too. Thank you. Um, listen, uh, with the Giants, what do you think bringing back Coughlin as the GM and hiring McCarthy as the coach? Uh, that, you know, that's number one. Yeah. I have another question. Yeah. But what's your uh, take on that? Um, I think Coughlin might be at the end of the, of the road here because of what happened in Jacksonville. I, I like the old school. I like the five minutes early kind of rule. But, I mean, they had the Jacksonville Jaguars had the most grievances filed in all of the NFL against that front office. So I think that never happened up here, though. That's just yeah, weird. That I, it all was just happened. how many years ago, though? You know, times have changed. The athlete has changed. I deal with it every single day. The athlete has changed, all that. So, you right. know, it didn't work here. I mean, it worked here, but that was how many years ago, and it's not working in Jacksonville. That's the thought. Um, <laughs> Now, another question. With their draft pick, what are they going to really go for? Defense? Is there going to have a number four or five draft pick? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, this is, that's a good question, and we're probably going to debate this for, for many years, many years, many weeks to come here, Kevin. Thank you for that. Um, if I were the Giants, I would go offensive line because where they're sitting in the draft order, um, they don't have um, – they don't have a chance at, at Chase Young. I mean, you have the Redskins in front of them who are who are going to take them. I mean, they have their quarterback, so they're going to go defense. And I think what that leaves the Giants is, is or what should be, a stud offensive lineman. And I've always preached the, the Tennessee model. Um, you know, take the offensive Taylor Lewan, Jack Conklin, t- take them high up and, and you'll see what happens versus – the Indianapolis Colts model where they have neglected and the Giants have neglected the offensive line. I think the Colts, it was a stand. They had, they had it on last week. I trying to remember off the top of my head, but they hadn't selected a lineman offensive lineman, the Colts in the first round in something like 15 years, something like that. And I think the jets was 12 years before they selected uh, Mangold and Ferguson. But what I'm trying to say is 
you have to protect your quarterback. Getting sacked 38 times in 13 games. Someone tweeted me before. Uh, where was it? I want to give him. Paul, uh, Paul M. Connell tweeted me, and he said, 38 sacks, that's a PlayStation Xbox statistic. Yeah, it is. And you don't want your Daniel Jones to fall in, in, in into the same category as Andrew Luck. Because by the time they started drafting linemen, the Colts, Andrew Luck was already too hurt, too far gone, and it truncated his career early because of their uh, resistance or ineptitude, the Colts, in, in drafting or even signing good offensive linemen. So now that the, the Giants are pretty much removed from the Chase Young sweepstakes, the next priority, offensive line. Has to be. And I haven't yet really done a deep dive, as they say, a deep dive into the candidates just yet. Not candidates, the, the draftees just yet. Um, and I don't like getting behind a candidate without having done the research on them. So, you know, I, I don't have a name to give you right, right this second for the Giants in their draft. Um, because I'd like to take my time with it. I'd like to see the guys perform myself at the Combine, in these bowl games, if I can catch a couple of them. Well, there's a lot to catch <laughs> with these bowl games. There's like a the Outback Bowl. You get a free Bloomin' Onion with that, though, I think, whatever the next day is after that. So I, I kind of like that one. Um, the Sugar Bowl, that's another one you should maybe be paying attention to if you are watching New York sports around here, is because Rule, Matt Rule, who is, to me, the front-runner for the Giants job, he's been coaching the Sugar Bowl later today. And as far as front-runners, I mean, I still can get behind Mike McCarthy. I mean, 13 seasons with the Packers, nine playoff runs, including an NFC Championship game three times, one of which they lost to the Giants, and then they won a Super Bowl. I mean, he was a former quarterback's coach with the Packers and Chiefs, check. And, you know... He took over as head coach when Aaron Rodgers was still backing up Brett Favre. So we all know the story with Aaron Rodgers, one of the best ever to play the position. I'd like to think that Mike McCarthy had a, had a hand in developing that. Obviously, it's the talent of Rodgers, too. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is Mike McCarthy helped set up Aaron Rodgers to succeed. And one of the crit- criticisms of, of McCarthy was that his offense was too simplistic. He was unwilling to adjust to fit the modern NFL. Well, guess what? He assembled a whole mock coaching staff to go over film from this year and review play-calling trends. That's commitment. He's reinventing his playbook. And a year off might have done him well just to do some soul-searching and adjustments and tinkering. I am still high on Mike McCarthy. I was last year for the Jets, and they swung and missed. I just hope the Giants don't swing and miss on, on this time. So we will hit more calls after the break, 877-337-6666. If you're on hold, please hang. I will get back to you right after this brief little message. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Hey, Nets fans, our first box office blitz of 2020 is tomorrow with hourly giveaways from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. to see the Nets in Oklahoma City on Tuesday, January 7th at the Barclays Center. So keep your radio locked in to win exclusively on your flagship station for Brooklyn Nets basketball. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. And good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. I'm Daniel McCartan with you on WFN Radio until 6 a.m., where Richard Neer is going to come your way. 
As you know, I open every single show, the opening monologue, with songs that match up with the topics. And I kind of match the song with the New Year's resolution for each team. We just talked about the Giants real quick. I'm going to hit the Jets. If this is going to be your last chance to get aboard, it's 877-337-6666. So my Jets one was the Tim McGraw Humble and Kind song. You might have known that. Um, in part, because I, for my resolution for the Jets, I would like to see wisdom, direction, and humility from them. Wisdom to retain Greg Williams at all costs. Direction for the Jets to be able to put their players in positions in order that they're going to succeed. And humility for the head coach to realize the talent on his roster and to not push his own agenda just for the sake of pushing it. For the Mets, I had a Chumba Wumba tub thumping. You know, so I get knocked down. So the Mets are going to have an uphill battle in the NL East. They're going to get knocked down a bunch of times. But they have to get back up because I think the Mets are going to make the playoffs this season in wild card fashion. So my resolution for them is one of resilience and resurgence, in particular for the bullpen, and even more specifically for Edwin Diaz. Because if their bullpen can bounce back, and I know it's a big if, now with Dellen Patances even in two, the bets are going to be back in, in contention here. And as we all know, it's more fun around these parts when both New York teams are playing well. And for the Yankees, I picked better now by Post Malone because the Yankees are certainly better now with the acquisition of the best pitcher in baseball of Garrett Cole. And they need to be careful not to let themselves and others down this season because they are the odds-on favorites to win the World Series. And they are poised to embark on what could quite possibly be, with their young talent, a brand new dynasty this decade. So my New York Yankees resolution is for them to exert dominance, not cave to expectations, and to play within themselves. And another shout-out to all the first responders. I drove through this morning and saw a ton of police officers, like police officers with flashing lights in, like, minivans. Like, I didn't even know that existed here in New York City, and it makes me feel a ton safer here. Not that I never felt not safe, but, I mean, that's that's amazing, um, the work that they do. And also to the Department of Sanitation workers, because I have on the 5 o'clock news, and Times Square looks like there is not one piece of paper in it. I'm going to try to remember to take that way home. And just really quickly— Susan Waldman and I talked about resolutions as well, and she says nobody keeps them. You know, maybe I'm the only one that keeps mine. I actually, I, I made it a low-maintenance one. I've had it for two years, actually. My New Year's resolution is to do something brand new once a month, like one new thing a month. I mean, and that has taken me places. I mean, I went snowboarding. I went, um, I wanted to do a helicopter ride, so I did it um, over the Las Vegas Strip at night, which was awesome. I'd never ridden a horse before, so I ended up doing that in Hollywood Hills. I mean, it, it, you don't have to do it that extravagant. Just do something, one brand new thing a month. And that was inspired by the song, of course, um, When Was the Last Time You Did Something for the First Time by Darius Rucker two years ago. And it's been great. So I suggest if you don't have a New Year's resolution or you want a different one, do, use mine. Do something, one thing, brand new every single month. And then make a little collage at the end. It's nice to see. Ray from the Bay, you're on the fan. Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm, I'm all the way up. Danielle, I'm not a, a great sports mind, 
you probably forgot more about sports than what I know. All right. Well, what do you have for us tonight? Excuse me? Well, what do you have for us tonight? Okay. Um, you know, uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the Cleveland Browns are like the worst team ever. <laughs> and who the hell is going to... Why hire a person from the, from, the, from, from the Cleveland Browns to coach your organization? Now, okay, so they hire Schumer, all right? He's no good, obviously. All right? But I'm not firing him. And firing him is, is rewarding him. That's giving him three years that he doesn't have to work. He's going to get paid, okay? And then this brings me to the Jets point, all right? This guy, uh, this coach on the Jets, who the other day, he got, he got angry. Everybody's on his case, so he goes that he has more money than everybody else. Juba mm-hmm. can jump on that line and say, well, you know what? I got money, okay? They should have wrote in his contract that if he's not going to coach the team and get fired, he's got to... He's got to go look at college games or something, recruit. I don't know, sell popcorn in the stands. He's got to do something <laughs> for that money. There's no free money, okay? And now this leads me to my last point. We, we should all here in New York, we say that we have nine teams in the area, and that's true. But let's not forget about Buffalo. They're from New York, man. And I'm hoping that they, that they make a run, you know, in, the, in football. I hope that they... That they they score, man. That remember, remember Norwood wide, right? I hope that they can redeem themselves for that. You know. Well, Ray, thank you. I appreciate the call, and you know, I think that might be a. We're really stretching when we have to say that we're going to root for Buffalo because they are a New York team, like they are like a Canadian team, really. And I think it'd be really hard for Jets fans to root for the Buffalo Bills because obviously they reside in the same division. And I always thought that the once the Patriots' reign was over, which, I mean, right now, 538 is projecting the New England Patriots only a 3% chance to win the Super Bowl. So the end, the beginning of the end is, is happening in New England. And I always thought that the Jets were going to take over as, as reigning supreme in the AFC East. And it uh, looks like it might be the Bills. So I don't know if you're a Jet fan that you can get behind the Bills making a deep run in the playoffs. I have friends that are Bills fans, and they are very excited. Um, and they don't even live in Buffalo. They live in Vegas, actually, and they are very excited for the Buffalo Bills to make a run. And good for them. Sure, they have a young quarterback and everything, but as a Jet fan, I'd be a little scared. That's all I'm saying. And you got the Baltimore Ravens with a 46% chance to win the Super Bowl. And that's like the odds-on favorite are the Baltimore Ravens. Brady in Jersey City, you're on the fan. Happy New Year. You too. Um, calling about you mentioned before about you said the Giants and the Colts, and you know it just got me thinking. Like I'm always saying, the past couple of years, you know Saquon was a sexy pick, and mm-hmm. that's all it was, mm-hmm. and it was an easy pick to recover from because he's so good. Yep. But the, the move then, you know, you said that the Colts didn't address the line, and it really that's what made me call. Mm-hmm. Was because they took that they took that Nelson kid, and, and I really think that we could have traded down and gotten some value, and, and maybe had two offensive hogs up there instead of Saquon and, and Eli, and trying to pretend like like we were something we weren't. And that's in essence what we did, and and that's why we're pushed back these two years. And, and you're not going to really ever see it that much because Saquon is so good, and he can make up for that. Right. But running backs are a dime a dozen, and and you know we could have really gotten value there, and and nobody wants to address that, and it's hard to. Like I said, I'm not discrediting Saquon because he is one of the best backs, if not the best back in the league. But it's hard but to operate was, without a line, too. Imagine that, that how much better he would be. Pick. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, 
you know, you could have done a million other things. Could have traded down, gotten two offensive linemen, found, you know, fifth-round running back like everybody's doing nowadays. You know, it, to me, it was just the sexy pick. Can't fail. Let's give the mediocre fans what they want, you know, because he's Saquon, but... I mean, look what yeah. it did. You know, sell, sell a bunch horrible. of 26 jerseys. Yeah, I get it. No one's buying a jersey of an offensive lineman unless you're the Jets and Nick Mangold, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I get it. And, I, and you know, it's easy to say in hindsight, you know, this is what the Giants should have done or the Jets should have done in that situation or that situation. Um, but it is what it is. I mean, you hit on it. You just said it. The Giants were, were, maybe I'm paraphrasing, but the Giants didn't know what they were. They were pre- pretending that they were something different than what they were. I mean, were they in win-now mode or were they not? Or were they in rebuilding mode? They sold you on the win-now mode with especially the, the Saquon Barkley pick. That's for sure. But then maybe they were in rebuilding mode because, you know, they got rid of, like, their entire defense. Nax Harrison, Landon Collins, Eli Apple, uh, and don't forget Odell Beckham Jr., so maybe they were in rebuild mode at that point. You know, they didn't know. And that's what, they didn't know what their identity was. And that's what killed them and set them back. Now I think we can all agree that with Eli Manning out the door, it's Daniel Jones' team, Saquon Barkley's team. And the Giants now have a little bit of an identity. But they need a defense. And they need an offensive line. And, you know, I think Dexter Lawrence was a great pick. Darius Slayton was a great pick. So, I mean, those are the things I point to in terms of optimism for the Giants. That their GM is a pretty good drafter. And I told you guys I was going to throw a a poll up at at CoachMCCARTAN on Twitter. I asked Giants fans, should Gettleman have been shown the door with head coach Pat Shermer. I predicted a 50-50 split. Right now, we are sitting at yes, 70% say yes, Gettleman should have gone as well, which leaves 30% saying no. So you guys can get over there, cast your votes, and I'll obviously I'll retweet or whatever, screenshot the the responses. I have it running for the next like two hours, two and a half hours. Um, So Justin in Westchester says, my resolution should go to the Combine. I would like to go to the Combine. I would actually... Well, I've already been to the draft, but I've never been to a draft in a different city. I'd like to go back to Vegas. <laughs> uh, any interest in the XFL season? Yeah, of course. Maybe we can find a, a winning team here in our area. Maybe the New York Guardians will be a winning team. And with their coach, maybe they will be. And then you have to ask the question, are the New York Giants an attractive destination for a head coach candidate? Well, you got to look at what else is open. The Browns are open. That's a no-go for me anyway. If I'm you know, if i a candidate, I'm looking at the Browns job and saying absolutely not. The Panthers are also going to be a no-go for me if I'm you know, the number one head coach candidate because you don't know what's going on with Cam Newton down there. I mean, this is like an Eli Manning, Daniel Jones situation all over again. What are they going to do at quarterback? They're not settled. And I'm not going to attach my reputation to something that's not settled. But the Giants are settled. They have their pieces in place. So out of the three openings, because we don't know what the Cowboys are doing. They've been meeting with Jason Garrett all, all week long. They don't know what they're doing. This is like the end, never-ending breakup between the Joneses and, and, and Jason Garrett. So the Cowboys are off the table for it. There's three openings, the Browns, the Giants, the Panthers. Out of all three, the Giants are the number one for me. Not because we're here, 
because the other ones are a little bit in a mess. And the Giants are a flagship franchise. But then again, here's the thing. The perception that Dave Gettleman is not easy to work with, which he addressed at the presser today. There's been a lot of head coach turnover over the past decade. I mean, just in the past 10 years, the Giants have had four head coaches. And when you look at one of the other flagship franchises, the Pittsburgh Steelers, well, the Steelers have had three coaches since 1969. 1969. The Giants, in that same time frame, are looking for their 13th. And then you got the possibility of a, being a lame duck head coach having to be, you know, a forced marriage with a new GM. You know? So, I don't know. Out of all the three, I'm picking the Giants. And out of all the front-running candidates as of today, I'm going Mike McCarthy. My God. Has to be. You're not going to pick an unproven commodity. That would be a, a travesty. So thanks to all the callers. Very busy tonight. I love it. Couldn't have done it without you. Been a fun four hours. Love coming here, talking to you all. Great job to Nick behind the glass. Marco's on his way home. Thank you, of course, to Susan Waldman for joining us. One of the first or the first radio uh, voice on WFAN. And a longest tenured radio voice with the New York Yankees, or one of them, Susan Waldman. Uh, Richard Neer is up next. Mark it down. I'll see you guys back in my regular spot. Saturday into Sunday, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Wishing everybody a happy, healthy, and prosperous New Year. Sports Radio 66.